Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching. <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI, Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also... Not just write it, but read it too. <laughs> and edit it. <laughs> hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. <laughs> <laughs> and you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hello and welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicke and as always I'm sitting here with Jess Perkins and Matt Stewart. Hi Dave. Hi, Dave. Hi, Hi Jess. Jess. Hi, Hi Matt. Matt. <laughs> hey, it's been a while since I've done that, and um, I think it's still adorable. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you when you said ah, uh, I'm like, oh, she knows it's annoying. Oh no, she doesn't. <laughs> she doesn't. <laughs> I won't tell her. I don't have the guts. No, because it's adorable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, if you want to see and hear us being adorable, sweet segue Amazing here. Segue. Uh, why don't you check out our web series that we've been putting out over the last few weeks? And there's still a few episodes to go. We've uh, teamed up with the team at Stupid Old. It's on the Stupid Old channel on YouTube. And so far, there are four episodes out. And our fifth episode is coming out this week. And let's just sprinkle in and say, it's a murder one. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit murdery. Yes. That's pretty exciting. And I can't believe you guys look like that. Uh, it's something I, I keep thinking when I watch yeah. the episodes. It's weird to see your voices coming out of your mouths. It's not what I pictured. 
<laughs> That's the thing. It's not what I had in my head. Isn't it funny? Because we see each other every week, but yeah. it's still, you know, the camera changes. When I listen things. back to the podcast, as I do every week, um, big fan. Yeah. I still imagine you looking different. Yeah, like a dog, right? <laughs> yeah. I picture dogs as well. Huh. I imagine huh. you all played by Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> what a dog. Is he wearing a wig for me? Yeah, he's that good. Wow, he's that good. He's he that wears good. a wig. Yeah. I reckon if you if you had Daniel Radcliffe mm. on a like a sexy weekend away, yes, he'd wear a wig for you. Do you reckon? Yeah, I reckon. Um, what else do we have to talk about? Oh, we got a Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, slightly less slick segue there from Matt, but yes, we do have a Patreon. Which, uh, if you want to hear, if one episode a week is not enough for you, well, we are now putting out three bonus episodes per month. Mm-hmm. If you want to sign up to there, as well as other stuff like you join our Facebook group just for patrons, which is a lovely place on the internet. There's not many of those left in the world. No, it's quite nice. Uh, you get pre-sale when we're doing live shows. If we ever get to do those That's again. Right. A shout out on the show. We'll thank you. All, the, all all sorts of things. A newsletter. Anyway, but the probably the biggest draw card we found is that we put out three bonus episodes per month. And we put out a, a doozy last week, which was... Uh, I can't believe it's taken us this long to get up to this because we're nearly 250 episodes in. We did an update on some previous topics. Yeah. That was really interesting to sort of check in, you know? Yeah. There were a few topics that you didn't remember us ever doing. No. I say you, I mean me. <laughs> oh, I mean I us. us. Wish I had slipped in one that we've never done and you were like, yeah, yeah, I remember. Oh, wow. <laughs> remember that? Yeah, you oh, definitely should have done that. I would come. not have known. Yeah. So that's something cool. And there's like, there's like 75-ish. Uh, other episodes there That's for right. people still the, to get access to. Yeah, you can to. catch up on those 75. They are still up available. And later this week, we'll be putting out another episode of our Patreon-only podcast, which is Phrasing the Bar, where yeah. we are going through the films of everyone's favourite actor, Brendan Fraser. Oh, man. And I watched this film last night, and he definitely carries it in Say No Man. I loved it as a, as a kid, and I love him as an adult. Yeah. The movie, you know. Anyway, I'll you know, t- he doesn't even have that many lines. No, but, but he steals so, the show. So good. Oh, his his face work is fantastic. Yeah, very expressive. Love that about it. Does great face comedy, which is my favorite kind of comedy. Mm. Somehow he has less dialogue than the previous film where he had one line. But I love it. And uh, you can check that out on our Patreon later this week at patreon.com slash do go on pod. That's right. But the way this show works uh, is one of the three of us researches a topic often being suggested by a listener, then we go away and we deep dive into it. We surround it. We, we bathe in it. We lather up in the topic until we know it back to front, inside out. It gets inside of us. We get inside of it. Then we come back to the class and uh, we tell everyone all about it. Uh, this week I'm the one who's been lathering up in history Wow! and uh, bathing in it. Um, you do look different. So yeah. that's... Yeah, have you shaved with history? Yeah, yeah. Wow, looks so good. Um, yeah, so we normally get on a topic with a question. This week, I'm asking what I think is an easy question. I thought I'd make it real easy. So this will be a speed round. Who gets it? Real quick one, I reckon. I'm Jess, fucking kill yeah, you, Dave. Jess just gave me a real big evil. <laughs> uh, which musical pioneer is known as the father of rock and roll who is famous for songs such as Maybelline and Johnny Be Good? Um, uh, oh, Little I- Richard? No. Chuck Berry. Yes. Oh, well done. <laughs> Little Richard was a he was he was some would say he's the king of rock and roll. It's one of those terms that's a bit disputed. Yeah. But I think most broadly, uh 
Chuck Berry is known as the father of rock and roll. But yeah, even Chuck Berry says it. He would say, I was just a cog in the machine. And so I saw an interview with him. He said, I'm just a cog in the machine. They asked, oh, who else is? And he said, he mentioned Little Richard as one of the others. Elvis, as, a, as another cog. Another cog. He's I like, mean, we're all just cogs in the machine. What an absolute compliment. <laughs> He's a cog. He's a cog. <laughs> You're, a cog. You're a cog. Yeah, Chuck Berry. So I put up a vote for the patrons. I'm, I've been uh, in lockdown. I've been reading and watching a lot of uh, music history. So I put up three music legends for the vote. Cool. Chuck Berry edged out Aretha Franklin by <gasps> three votes and she had about twice as many votes as Hank Williams who was in a, a distant third. Wow. So I, and I'd hopefully I'll get to do all of them eventually anyway, but um yeah, Chuck Berry just snuck ahead. It was one of those ones that took a few days and it was neck and neck and then he he just snuck ahead by three solitary votes. Whoa. There you go, the power. Three solitary votes. That's not a thing. If you individualize all three votes, yes. there's only three solitary. <laughs> oh my god! Well, that's a good sign. Early, that's, I haven't even started the report. That's a tight race. It is, yes. And some great, some great topics you put up to the vote. Well, that would have been a hard decision, I think. I would not have been able to pick, so I'm hmm. glad I didn't. I would have voted for Little Richard, just personally. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's get cracking. Um, Charles Edward Anderson Berry was born on October the 18th. 1926 in St. Louis, Missouri. I like that it's his real name, Chuck Berry. It's got a bit of a stage name vibe. Yeah, definitely. It's a great stage name. Such a great name. So good to be blessed with a good stage name, Mm. like Jess Perkins. (laughs) (laughs) Something that really shines. Yeah. Yeah. You can can, see it up in lights. You can can get the URL because there's only one. Yeah. How many Jesses do you know? Not many. How many many. Perkinses do you know? One. (laughs) Uh, Can count on one hand, thanks. And I am one of them. Yeah, it's your immediate family. Yeah. There's so many. <laughs> uh, Henry, his father, was a carpenter and a deacon at the Antioch Baptist Church. His mum was a principal at a local school. Huh. Uh, Martha and Henry were the grandchildren of slaves. They moved to St. Louis from rural Missouri during the period surrounding World War One. According to biography.com, at the time of Barry's birth, St. Louis was a sharply segregated city. He grew up in a North St. Louis neighborhood called The Ville, a self-contained middle-class black community that was a haven for black-owned businesses and institutions. The neighborhood was so segregated that Barry had never even encountered a white person until the age of three when he saw several white firemen putting out a fire. I thought they were all so frightened that their faces were whitened from fear of going near the big fire, he once recalled. <laughs> wow. Daddy Whoa. told me that they were white people and their skin was always uh, white that way. Day or night. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Wow, there you go. Barry was multi-talented as as a child, doing some carpentry work with his dad and learning photography from his photographer uncle, Harry Davis. Another great name. Harry Davis. Harry Davis is like a kind of, it is a kind of common name, but it still sounds like a a showbiz name to me. Yeah, it's a great combo. Sounds like a man that wears a jacket. Yeah, you reckon? What kind of jacket? Like a velvet jacket Ooh, to me. Yeah. Harry Davis is here. Oh, hello. Is he wearing oh, a bow tie? Yes. Oh. You imagining that? Is he a lounge singer? Yes. I'm thinking of uh, Sammy Davis. Yes. <laughs> Junior. Junior. <laughs> he started singing in the church choir when only six years old. At his high school talent show, Barry sang jazz musician Jay McShann's Confessin' the Blues, accompanied by a friend on guitar. I was also in there choir in primary school oh yeah yeah you got out of class to go to choir practice so 
Sign me up. Yeah, great. I was in the primary school choir as well. Were you? Yeah. Did you ever have a solo? Had a great time. Uh, it was once in a, uh, a quartet. Oof, not a solo though, is it? Uh, well, it's so. a solitary four. four. Solitary. <laughs> 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 Both Matt and I were a couple of cogs in that joke. <laughs> um, the student audience loved it uh, and it inspired Barry to learn the guitar. Cool. So he was just singing at that point. And he's like, oh, I want to get in on that guitar action. The LA Times later wrote that he had eclectic musical interests and influences from the blues of Muddy Waters and the swing of Count Bassie to country and mainstream pop. But I've seen interviews with him later in life where he said he really loved big bands and um, yeah. uh, uh, like crooners like Frank Sinatra and Nat King Cole, which... Well, the interviewer was really surprised by like, oh, that's and he's like, yeah, I kind of that's kind of what I th- I I sort of did guitar versions of big band music is how <laughs> he saw it later, but um, yeah, it seems like he didn't talk about it like that until much later on. Yeah. People, are like, uh, I've looked at every interview you've ever done. You've never mentioned that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, at seventeen, he bought his first car, a nineteen thirty three Ford, saying it cost me thirty four dollars. Man, it took me three months to pay for it. And I had to have some older friends sign for it because I was only 17. 34 bucks. <laughs> wow. I know it's all relative. I know <laughs> it is. But it's still so mind-boggling to think of $34 for a car. I've spent more on a T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is wild. It was a 10-year-old car, I guess, at the time. <laughs> spent- oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you spent more money on a single cocktail. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Have you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They if I did. They're ridiculous. Yeah. But it's the kind of thing, I, yeah, that would be, <laughs> I would only ever pay that if I was, I'd already ordered it and then they said it. I'm like, oh, no. Yeah. I did not look at the price. I won, the ones got caught out in that I was on a, a having some drinks with some people from work and I'll go, I'll get the next round. Ugh. Let's get, let's take it up a notch. I went and got no. <laughs> vodka Red Bulls. No. For four of us. And it was 105 bucks <gasps> or something. And I'm like, get the credit card out. Oh, I might have to shuffle some funds around for the budget this weekend. <laughs> I hate that. Have they already made the drink? Yeah. they were, Oh, yeah. they've poured them. That's yeah. it. And I mean, I was locked in. I would have taken out a loan rather than uh, had to go, actually, um, um, so that's on. stupid. There's only four of you. Please tell me you were having two each. No, that was one One each. each. It was in Perth. I think they have a weird economy over there. That's fucked. It was, it was while mining was still booming. Did they, was the bartender fly in, fly out? Do they fly <laughs> in, make your drink and then go home? Yeah, they had to fly out, <laughs> get the ingredients and bring them back. That oh is my God. outrageous. Uh, what is it with you and vodka Red Bulls? Where will you learn? Well, I've learned now. <laughs> that was a while ago. Far out. 34 bucks for a car, though. Love it. A 10-year-old car. Like, that helps. <laughs> My car is 17 years old. I spent nearly a grand on it today just getting a fucking service. <laughs> ah, $34. Anyway, I'm fine. Uh, he didn't enjoy the academic side of school too much, and according to biography.com, in 1944, at the age of 17, uh, Barry and two friends dropped out of high school and set off on an impromptu road trip to California. I love how this paragraph's written. It makes it sound like they they quit school and just jumped in a car and drove <laughs> away from the school on a road trip. Yeah. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's how it works out in my head. I might be condensing things. 
Uh, they'd gone no farther than Kansas City when they came across a pistol abandoned in a parking lot and what? seized by terrible, a terrible fit of youthful misjudgment, decided to go on a robbing spree. Brandishing the pistol, they robbed a bakery, a clothing store, and a barber shop. What? Then stole a car before being arrested by highway patrolmen. The three young men, so they're 17, just on a spree, they just found a gun. and They, they went, found a gun? Like, oh, what do you do with a gun? A oh, robbing spree? I guess so. Just go shoot some cans or something. You know? <laughs> Not my precious antique cans. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go on a robbing spree. The three young men received the maximum penalty, 10 years in jail. Oh, my God. Whoa, they were kids. They were minors, and this is despite being minors and first-time offenders. Barry was released on good behaviour after serving three years. Oh, my God. 17 Imagine that, 20, a spur wow. of the moment, bit of peer group pressure, kids being a bit dumb. No one got hurt. God, kids are dumb. In jail for three years. You've, so, you basically, you've driven away from school. School's behind you, you're like, woo, and then you've basically driven into prison. Oh, man. That's awful. Whoa, that is, yeah, full on. Um, so he, he served three years in the intermediate reformatory for young men in Missouri. He was released on October the 18th, 1947, his 21st birthday. Returning to St. Louis, he worked multiple jobs, including for his father's construction company as a part-time photographer and as a janitor. So he's just... Doing a bit of everything. Uh, the following year, he married Thameda Suggs, uh, and they no, no one more time, please. Um, Thameda Suggs. Thameda Suggs. I love I love Suggs as a surname. Suggs is incredible. Yeah, that's, great. I, that's why I wanted clarification. I was like, I think he said Suggs. I've never heard of Thameda as a name either. No. Um, he had a he has a short nickname for it, which I'll mention later. What it was, but Suggs. 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 Is Suggs the madness yeah. front man's name? Suggs? That's the only Suggs I'm aware of. Yeah, it's a great name. You would know being a big Scar fan. man. Yes. You probably covered a lot of madness tracks back <laughs> yeah. in Weed Hornet. That was more of the uh, second or third wave. Right. Um, but still, you pay tribute to the greats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what does Scar sound like again? Um, how does it sound? Well, I know how it actually sounds. <laughs> <laughs> they were second wave, Dave. Isn't that that's where you got the nickname Second Wave Dave, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I always thought it was because you're a surfer. Uh, so Suggs and Barry. Oh my god, I never even considered that. Suggs and Barry. Hope she kept her name. Uh, they went on to have four children together, and they were real good names of kids. Although Jess might disagree. You never know what yeah, you're going to say. That's true. I never know what I'm going to say. Darlin Ingrid, Aloha, Charles Junior, and Melody. Charles Jr. got the short straw. <laughs> yeah. I think what was the first one? Darlin Ing- Ingrid. Darlin. Yeah. I oh, think- my God. Yes. Then Aloha. <laughs> yeah. Incredible. Charles Jr. <laughs> Charles Jr. So sorry, mate, but fuck you. You're in the bin. You suck. And then your little sister, Melody. Yeah. Fantastic names. Aloha's got to be my favourite. Aloha is a fantastic name. And uh, Darlin Ingrid, I Darlin saw Ingrid. her interviewed uh, in more recent years, and she just seems to go by Ingrid now. I think I'd she's, go by Darlin. Yeah, I think she's... I, I wouldn't. I'd go by Ingrid. Yeah, probably. But Darlin, it just makes me think of Dolly Parton. Or totally, something. How yes. are you spelling Darlin? D-A-R-L-I-N. That's Darlin. great. Is there an apostrophe or anything there? No, there should be. That's great. Yeah, there should be. Darlin. Stylized with an apostrophe. 
Oh, that is beautiful. So already he's done, I mean, he's already had spent time in jail. He's early 20s. He's also been a photographer, worked in carpentry, uh, janitor. Then he went on to train as a beautician and by 1950 had earned enough to buy a small brick cottage in St. Louis for his young family. I wish I knew the price, but I bet you it was like 200 bucks. bucks or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, wow, as a beautician. Yeah. Cool. In 1951, his old schoolmate Tommy Stevens asked Barry to join his band as a guitarist. According to biography.com, they played at local black nightclubs in St. Louis. Uh, and Barry quickly developed a reputation for his lively showmanship. At the end of 1952, he met Johnny Johnson, a local jazz pianist. Johnny Johnson. Johnny Johnson. Oh, my God. There's so many good names already. And he joined his band, the Sir John's Trio. <laughs> Barry revitalized the band and introduced upbeat country numbers into the band's repertoire of jazz and pop music. Um, and I think, I think for the most part, country music was a super white genre, especially back then. I think it still probably is relatively. I've been watching um, on SBS. It's a, an American documentary series called Country Music, and um, yeah, it does paint that kind of picture. Even though it was quite influenced by a lot of black American music. Uh, it didn't seem to. It seemed to be mainly um, white performers. Yeah, I love it when they think of very creative names for TV shows and documentaries as well, like country music. <laughs> yeah, it's very good. It's good that they got you know they got some people into a room and just really, really nutted it out. You but know? what's it about? Yeah, <laughs> it's what it says on the bloody tin. That's for sure. Yeah, that's, you know what bloody we say what we mean. Barry started driving up to Chicago in search of a record deal. Uh, he'd make a few trips up there. And in early 1955, he met up with legendary blues musician Muddy Waters. You guys familiar with Muddy yeah. Waters? He was, uh, he's now known as the father of Chicago blues. Waters was a hugely influential artist. I kind of want to do a whole report on him. Um, but uh, one thing that sort of shows how influential he was on future bands, the Rolling Stones... Band and magazines are both named after his 1950 song Rolling Stone. <laughs> I think, I think even the magazine might have been partially named after that song and the Rolling Stones, but the Rolling Stones are named after the song. So it's, and then you've also got the Bob Dylan song Like a Rolling Stone. Yeah, there's a time there where if you wanted to be involved in rock and roll, you had to be a stone, you had to be rolling. <laughs> yeah, if you're if you're a sedentary stone, <laughs> get, get out, out of, of town. <laughs> what are you playing? You got to be a Rolling Stone. Got to be rolling, rocking and a rolling. Mm. Anyway, Muddy Waters loved Barry's guitar playing and he set up a meeting between Barry and Chess Records, uh, who I, I think Waters had recorded with. A few weeks later, Barry wrote and recorded a song called Maybelline for Chess Records. It was released, this is like literally a few weeks later, it was released in July of 1955. It was a big hit. It went what? to number one on the R&B charts what? and made the top five on the pop charts. His first song. Yeah, which which he recorded a couple of weeks after driving up to Chicago and trying to set up a record deal. Wow. Whoa. Yeah, so wild. Um, many call this the first rock and roll record, Maybelline. Huh. And though there is no definitive holder of that title, this song is indisputably a pioneering rock song. Because, you know, it's not like there was this line where it was like, all right, this is a brand new thing. It's sort of because it morphed out of all these different places. There's no definitive starting point. Some people say songs back as far as the 40s could be called the first rock song, rock and roll song. 
Rolling Stone would later rate it as the 18th greatest song of all time. First song he recorded, 18th greatest song of all time. Far out. <laughs> Man, are the other 17 also his songs? <laughs> Otherwise, you'd be a bit disappointed. <laughs> uh, rock and roll, uh, this is what they wrote um, when they um, named this song as the 18th greatest song. Rock and roll guitar starts here. The pile-up of hillbilly country, urban blues and hot jazz in Chuck Berry's electric twang is the primal language of pop music guitar, and it's all perfected on the, on his first single. The entire song is a two-minute chase scene packed with car culture vernacular and Berry's hipster lingo inventions. People like this line that he, he says, oh, as I was motivating over the hill. He just made up a word, which is fun. <laughs> Uh, its groove comes from Ida Red, a 1938 recording by Bob Wills and his Texas Playboys, who were one of the bands featured on the country music series, <laughs> uh, of a song that dates back to the 19th century. So its roots go a while back, this song. Yeah. By the time of the May 21st, of May 21st 1955, Barry had been playing country tunes for black audiences for a few years. After they laughed at me a few times, they began requesting the hillbilly stuff, he has said. Leonard Chess came up with a title. Yeah, he, he had it written as a, as a different name. And then Leonard Chess from Chess Records saw a Maybelline mascara box log on the floor and said, why don't we call it Maybelline? And then There's no mention of Maybelline in the song or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he changed the name of the... Okay. So the song's all about, it's like a, a, it's a car chase and a sort of a love chase. Maybelline, why can't you be true? Um. This track kicked off a long string of hits for Barry, including Roll Over Beethoven, School Day, Ring Ring Goes the Bell, Rock and Roll Music, Sweet Little Sixteen, Run Run Rudolph, and possibly what became his signature song, Johnny Be Good. So it was, and these are all charting right up the top of the R&B, many of them crossing over into the, the pop charts as well. Awesome. And all just within the first few years of his career. Uh Released in April of 1958, Johnny Be Good was rated as the seventh greatest song of all time. Nice. Well done, sir. Seventh greatest song of all time. Wow. Imagine having two of the top 20. Yeah. What's that, what's that as a percentage of the top 20 songs of all time, Dave? Of all time. <laughs> two out of the top 20. What does that mean? Well, it's 10%. 10%. <laughs> <laughs> of the top songs of all time. I wrote 10% of the top songs of all time. No wow. big deal. Um. Just out of interest, what's the number one? Do you have any idea what the number one song yeah, is? Yeah, it was Like a Rolling Stone by Bob Dylan. Uh, number mm. two. Number two was the Rolling Stones' Satisfaction. <laughs> so, yeah, it's funny. And and this is by Rolling Stone magazine. Yeah. Where was I Believe in a Thing Called Love by the Darkness? Uh, yeah, it was stiff. It was stiff to miss out. <laughs> Should have been, been higher. Careless Whisper? Uh, that would be, that's probably a chance, would it be? In the, t- in the top 10? Well, Dave's oh, it's rendition not, of it, It yes. isn't in the top 10. 10% percent of the top 20 are Careless Whisper because they had the <laughs> remix as well. Amazing. Uh, so this is what they wrote about Johnny B. Good. Johnny B. Good was the first rock and roll hit about rock and roll stardom. It's still the greatest rock and roll song about the democracy of fame and pop music. It's funny that they're so specific. You're like, it's the seventh best song of, <laughs> no. of all, time, all you're time, you're saying. So, yeah, I reckon it's the best song about the democracy of fame in pop music. It's such a weird thing, right? Anyway, and Johnny B. Good is based in fact. The title character is Chuck Berry, more or less, as he told Rolling Stone in 1972. Oh. The original words were, of course, that little coloured boy could play. I changed it to country boy or else it wouldn't get on the radio. So he had to, he had to do that a few times, change things that were sort of, uh, there was one song about um, 
skin color and he changed the eye color. All right. Just because he had to, he had to do that to get the mainstream radio play. Isn't that uh, wild? Yeah, no, it seems you can't mention skin color on radio. Well, you probably could. You can only mention one skin yeah. color on radio. <laughs> there's, a, there's a right one to mention yeah. on radio. That's fucking crazy. Awful. Barry took other narrative liberties. Uh, Johnny came from deep down in Louisiana, close to New Orleans. Yeah. It's hard not to sing. Well, I wouldn't call that singing, but it's hard not to <laughs> say that rhythmically, uh, rather than Barry St. Louis. And Johnny never, ever learned to read or write so well, as he says in the song, mm. while Barry graduated from beauty school with a <laughs> degree in hairdressing yeah. and cosmetology. No beauty school was... dropout over here. No. Working uh Dead in Flushing Queens. Uh, yes. Just kicked out of one of those crushing scenes. Yeah. That was... What was he to do? Oh, I mean, I'm going to talk about it, how he's often ripped off, and I never connected the nanny theme. <laughs> that is a blatant, Johnny. Yeah. His life story. Good rip off. Because uh, he was out on his fanny. Oh, where was he to go? <laughs> oh, man. If, uh, Dave's got musical skills. Can you record a, a, the lyrics of the nanny theme to the music of Johnny Be Good? Could you pull that together? Oh. I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> That's hard. It's going to sound great. I think it, I think it would be a big hit. In probably pretty niche circles. And then you get to do a bit of stand-up, a bit of introduction. What would it sound like if the nanny <laughs> was uh, played by Chuck Berry? I think it would go <laughs> a little something. Uh, but the essence of Berry's tale, a guitar player with nothing to his name but chops, goes to the big city and gets his name in lights, is autobiographical. Uh, meeting Muddy Waters in 1955 and by 1958... Barry was rock and roll's most consistent hit, hit maker after Elvis Presley. Just Whoa. in three years. Unlike Presley, though, Barry wrote his own classics. And this is a quote from... Oh, burn. <laughs> Suck shit, Elvis. <laughs> this is a... Well, I mean, at the time, I don't think... It, I, in country music, I think it was quite common for the singers to write their own songs. But in pop music, I don't think it was. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, I wonder if that was something he sort of brought across. But, but I mean... Presley also kind of came from the country scene a little bit as well because um, he's featured in this uh, documentary, Country Music. Yeah. Do you know he was like a natural blonde? I did not know that. Dyed his hair black. Well, I probably did because we've done an episode about him. Yeah, but. There's so This runs through so many past episodes. Right. I mean, already we've had Elvis. Let's see if we can tick him off as we go, but uh, Elvis is definitely one yep. previous episode we've had so far. Yeah, but anyway, this is what Elvis once said about Chuck. He said, I just wish I could express my feelings the way Chuck Berry does. Wow, that's nice. Uh, Johnny Be Good is the su- supreme example of Berry's poetry in motion. The rhythm section rolls with freight train momentum while Berry's stabbing single note lick in the chorus sounds, as he put it, like a ring in a bell. A perfect description of how rock and roll guitar can make you feel on top of the world. So that's the uh, what the Rolling Stone wrote about that song. That's nice. Uh, as well as Maybelline and Johnny Be Good, Barry had a further four tracks in their 500 Greatest Songs of All Time list. What? So six, six altogether. More than 1%. Yeah, isn't that? That's That wild. is actually crazy. Yeah, out of that many songs. Yeah. Uh, 500 of all time. Yeah. You wouldn't think that would be a hard list to narrow down, but it really is. Yeah. <laughs> I can't think of 500 songs just off the top of my head, you know? Uh, I did a, I did my hundred last year yeah. full time, and it it was a process. Yeah, it's, it is. And I, it would already have changed in the last six months. Mm. Uh, 
in those early years, rock and roll was seen as a fad. It's just funny to think now. I, I think I've only just recently come to terms with the fact that it hasn't always been around. Yeah. I just It just feels like guitar music, guitar rock, because I'm like, oh, it's sort of fading from mainstream a little bit over the last decade or so. And I'm like, is that is that permanent now? Because it wasn't always here. It won't. It won't always be here, is it? Yeah, that's enough. I actually hadn't considered that either. It's sort of move. Is it moved to the underground permanently? No, I mean it's not deep underground. Yeah, there's still bands making a lot of money. Yeah, you walk into a uh, music shop, they're like, "No guitars here." <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry. You have to go down the lane. Yeah, meet me out back. <laughs> yeah, hook you up with a Gretsch. <laughs> so, like, I think there's still. Still, bands will sell lots of tickets and tour and stuff, but I just don't think you don't you don't see them in the top ten. It would be very very rare. And new music coming through is yeah. isn't you know in yeah that the same big vein yeah that's right yeah. But I yeah it's all cyclical. It could come back around. Yeah, who I who it knows? Um, in those early years, rock and roll was seen as a fad, as I said. Um, and when asked by the LA Times if he bought into that, the idea that it was just a fad, he said, oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, 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 He said, and I can give you an example. Tim Gale at Gale Agency told me after Maybelline, you can ride on this for three years. You play the big cities, then the middle cities, then go overseas. But I came up with another hit six months later, so I figured, well, that's three and a half years now. <laughs> then I had another hit, so that was four years, and he just kept having hits. And the genre uh, seemed to kick on. Now they won't let me die. <laughs> it's so funny because a lot of like the music biographies that we do, you kind of hear like their first album was, you know, like, yeah, it was pretty good, but you don't really know any songs from it. Um, and then it takes a few albums before they're like really hitting success or it's the opposite and they have a lot of early success and then nothing. But he's just like killing it from the start. Yeah. That's amazing. Wild. It's wild, really cool. Wild. Um, in 1958, Barry was able to afford uh, to move his family into a bigger house. Uh, but that so I mentioned before he bought a that little mm. three bedroom place. That cottage he lived in from 1950 to 1958, where he wrote a lot of those um, classic hits, uh, still stands today. And in 2008, it was listed in the National Register of Historic Places. It's an honor to be selected for this during my lifetime. Barry said at the time. Many of my favourite songs came about while in that house. It's good to know that my music and now that that house will always be part of the St. Louis history. <laughs> That's cool. I want. I so want to visit that house. Yeah. As well as recording many classic songs through this period, Barry was also an electric live performer. As the LA Times would later write, he brought his classic songs to life on stage with such an energetic show, highlighted by a zany low-strutting duck walk that no one in the audience seemed to notice that Barry was in his 30s ancient by rock standards at the time, and almost a full decade older than Elvis and Buddy Holly. Wow. So in 1955, Maybelline, he was he was 29. He was your age. Yeah. So he, maybe that was part of the success. He'd done some stuff. So but he'd worked so many different jobs. He looked great because he was a beautician. That's true. He looked 10 years younger than... <laughs> That's true. He looked true. younger than Elvis. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Elvis looked like shit. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What an unattractive mug. Ugh. <laughs> and well, Elvis, we've done an episode on Buddy Holly, also episode ten. Yep. About um, what happens when you die. That started with the Buddy Holly. That's right. Day the music died story. But yeah, he, I, I, I found that pretty fascinating as well because his songs are sort of famously, they're all about teenage life and stuff. And that yeah. was just a conscious thing. He's, he was writing the music for 
teen, so he he's like, I'm so I'll, I'll write what they want to hear about. Yeah, like school when, and you know when you're 17, you leave school one day and you find a gun <laughs> and you end up in prison. You know, just kid, kid stuff. stuff. <laughs> stuff I can relate to. <laughs> Getting your first stiffy, you know, kid stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and that was because that was what he was sort of saying in that in that later interview I was talking about before with big bands and stuff. He's like, when I was a teenager, big bands was the music, yeah. so that was the stuff that really energized me, and and that was kind of my generation. And then I was sort of playing the music for the next generation. Mm. Uh, he came, so do you know if, what I mean when I say the duck walk? His famous no. sort of. So he's got the guitar and he's like going. He goes low down and he. Oh he yes, of course. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, so yeah. what? The back of the heels tapping along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's sort of moving yeah. along. It's it's almost like a forward moonwalk. Yeah, but with a bit more action going on. Yeah. Sort of, and if you had like a long runway, he could go the whole way down, yeah. moving <laughs> forwards while yeah. still playing the guitar, and it was, just, it was a real cool, fun thing. So very, very dynamic live show. Uh, he came up with his famous duck walk to entertain his family when he was a child. Apparently, He'd do it under the table. Oh, <laughs> the, the family loved it. The duck walk even has its own Wikipedia page. No, where it's described as quote a form of locomotion performed by assuming a low partial squatting position and walking forwards, maintaining the low stance. Oh my god! <laughs> they really take the fun out yeah. of doing. <laughs> <laughs> did Ang- um uh did Angus from ACDC do something yeah. similar? Yeah, a very heavily borrowed influence, but, but made like, slightly creepier by the fact he's wearing a school uniform. Yes, and he was an old man. <laughs> yeah, he really took Chuck Berry's lyrics about school to the next level. <laughs> hey, kid. What's <laughs> up, fellow teens? Well, we're having a lot of fun here, but may I just interrupt you for a second, Matt, to tell you that this week's episode of Do Go On is brought to you and the good people at home by the great people at ExpressVPN. The good people, the great people. Geez, you're throwing around compliments like there's nothing. He loves people. And you look great. (laughs) That's all I wanted you to say. Thank you so much. (laughs) Well, um, I know... Just the other day, yes, I was doing some googling, uh huh, some private googling. Oh, okay. Some googling, some things that I didn't necessarily want to tell listeners or for other people in the house to find. Oh. Listeners or the other people in the house. Yeah. Well, sure. You just obviously chucked it into incognito mode, right? Oh, well, smart, Dave. Smart play. I know what you're thinking. I know. Use incognito mode. That's what I was thinking, so Dave, I said it. let me tell you, let me tell you that incognito mode does not hide your activity, mate. What? Oh, my God. Your you said pro- what? Your internet provider knows exactly what you're looking at late at night, David Warnocky, when you can't sleep, eh? Hey? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yep. I was planning a secret surprise party for my internet provider. <laughs> well, they know about it now. It's no, no secret. No. That's why even when I'm at home, I never go online without using ExpressVPN. That's why when I'm at home, I never go online. <laughs> I only do it at work. <laughs> I look at all my porn on someone else's stuff. That's Wait, right. porn? Why is porn coming into this? <laughs> and on someone else's computer. Yes, always. Wait, well, it says here it doesn't matter if you get your internet from... Verizon or Comcast or any of the other um, internet service internet providers. Internet service providers. That's what ISP stands for. Uh, oh, yes. Like, um, yeah, for instance, none are coming to mind. Um, ISPs in the US can legally sell your information to ad companies. What? What? That's 
wild. But, but you can avoid that by signing up to ExpressVPN, which uh, is an app that reroutes or reroutes your internet connection through their secure servers so your ISP can't see the sites you visit and therefore can't sell your info to these evil ad companies. Yeah. So good. And I didn't even know a lot of this stuff. I've been using ExpressVPN um, for the last few months and that is a real bonus. Yeah. It opens up the internet a little bit to you as well and that's uh, it's, the security stuff is sick. That's yeah, great. Yeah, it keeps your information secure by encrypting 100% of your data with the most powerful encryption available. It Basically, it's like you're going online inside a bank vault. Whoa. Yeah. Dave, but, that's a beautiful visual. Thank you, but you can do it at home. Hmm. They can look at whatever you want inside your bank vault. So you can rob a bank without anyone knowing? Yeah. It's, well, if you're inside the bank, I mean, that's the best place to be. Yeah. After hours, of course. The best place to be, just in general, inside a bank. Inside a bank. How fun is it? Lining oh, I up. I love banks. Pens on little ropes. Yeah. I they love still have them. <laughs> Who's been in a bank in a while? <laughs> Anyone still bank? Yeah, I had to go to get coins. They don't even have like tele- tellers anymore. They just like leave it all open because they think they're cool and trendy. But it's like, oh, I don't like this. Anyway, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about ExpressVPN. Hey, you can use it on all your devices inside this bank vault. You've got phones, computers, even your smart TV, probably even your smart fridge. All you have to do is tap one button and bang, you're protected. The My bank fridge vault. is an idiot. <laughs> yeah, I've, got a, well, I've got a dumb fridge. I've got a real dumb fridge. Uh, all you got... Protect your online activity today with a VPN rated number one by CNET and Wired. And if you visit our exclusive link, expressvpn.com slash do go on, you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That is express, E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash do go on. Expressvpn.com slash do go on to learn more and get three months free on a one-year deal. Expressvpn.com slash do go on. I'm going there right now. <gasps> I'm going to get me a second VPN. <laughs> a bank vault I'm, inside a bank vault? I'm going to double bag it, so to speak. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Extra. Can't be too safe. <laughs> Should look into what that saying means. That's exactly what it means. Extra safe. Extra safe. Well, I used to work at a supermarket. They'd say double bag it. I'm afraid of these cans falling out. Yep, that's the same thing. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library, and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching! <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalized results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI... 
Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. (laughs) And edit it. (laughs) Hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music, or eBooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. (laughs) (laughs) And you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Well, back to the show, Matt. So... It sounds like most recording artists in the 50s were pretty badly ripped off by one-sided recording deals. I don't know why this is. I guess it's a it's a, a kind of a burgeoning industry. People are keen to hit stardom. They want to be in the music industry and, and there's some naivety around it, I guess. So it sounds like during the 50s, everyone was just ripped off. I think Elvis is pretty famously yeah. ripped off a lot. It, that happened with Barry a fair bit, but according to the LA Times... Barry made more money than most 50s performers because he had so many hits and he was in constant demand as a live act. Wow. Besides, he gained a reputation as a hard-nosed businessman. That's all that beauty school training. Yeah. You know, so much of that is also running your own beauty business. So, you know, you learn how to balance the books. You got to. And you, you know what? You learn the value of your work and you learn to charge that, you know? And so... I think it's great that he has that experience yeah. to go into being a rock star. Uh-huh. Uh huh. In 1958, Barry opened a club in the predominantly white business district in downtown St. Louis. So he's doing pretty well. He's starting to make some investments. Um, his club was seen as controversial, though, as it had a racially mixed clientele. Barry later remembered that things were made difficult for him and the club, saying, They made us paint the walls, fix the pipes made us do all kinds of fire protection, but I knew why. I wasn't wanted on Grand Avenue. I was the instigator. The scene has been the one who was he was changing things up. This is yeah. a white neighborhood. So they, I'm, the way I read that, I was like, they, they, they were making all these right, just stringent ju- sort of counsel. Jump through these hoops, yeah. make it difficult, yeah. Uh, which sucks. Breaking pipes and saying, well, you need to get those pipes fixed. Uh, yeah, like, but that's fine. Yeah. Oh, oh no. What a nightmare. Yeah. Uh, throughout this time, he was also touring constantly while releasing his you know, regular stream of hit records. Uh, <laughs> then on December 23rd, 1959, his career was suddenly halted when he was arrested in his hometown of St. Louis, Missouri, charged with violating the Mann Act, M-A-N-N, Mann Act. Um, according to Heavy.com, this is a federal law which makes it illegal to engage in the transportation of an individual for prostitution or debauchery or for any other immoral purpose. It was intended to crack down on human trafficking and prostitution, but in a number of cases it was used to target high-profile black men. Boxer Jack Johnson was also charged with violating the Man Act in a case that was highly racially motivated. The, the only thing they have to try and prove is that you've just crossed, crossed the state line with someone underage anyway so it's yeah they don't have to actually prove anything illegal happened the illegal thing was crossing the state lines uh heavy goes on while performing on the road barry had met a 14 year old waitress janice noreen escalante according to barry she told him he was 21 uh, she was 21 and he invited her to come work at his nightclub in st louis however she was fired from the club after only a few weeks Barry said he fired her because she came onto him at work. 
According to the book American Legends, The Life of Chuck Berry, it didn't help Berry's case that Escalante had a background in prostitution, 14-year-old with a background in prostitution. And some first-hand accounts suggest that he was flirting with her on the road, something that Berry vehemently denied. Not long after she was fired, Escalante was arrested on charges of prostitution. She told the police about her working situation with Barry, and this led to his arrest. At the conclusion of a two-week trial, Barry was sentenced to five years in prison. What? He appealed, arguing that the judge was racist and biased against him. The jury in the case also consisted entirely of white men. Barry's appeal was successful, but in the second trial, he was convicted again. This time to three years in prison, he appealed a third time, and in the end, Barry spent a year and a half in prison, his second in prison. Uh, during this time, his club bandstand was closed down. Oh. Uh, the heavy article also quotes Barry biographer Bruce Pegg as saying that during the trial, quote, every witness that got on the stand when they identified someone, the judge would interrupt and say, was that a white man or a black man? Attempting to remind the jury at every turn that they needed to view the events through the lens of race. Um, that was the judge. That was the judge, yeah. Right. Just so kind of blatant by the sounds of it. Uh, and if, I mean, if that's, if what he thought they were trying to do was have his business shut down, that they were successful. And, you know, they sent him to jail. Um, obviously, it's the kind of thing where you just don't know what the real story is, but. You know, it's hard to not think that. Yeah. And he's one of the most famous performers in the country. Yeah, that's right. He's a huge star. And, yeah, um, I know we're going, like, obviously now it's not like these aren't racist times as well, but back then it was pretty, it was in your face. Yeah, more Uh, blatant. Yes. Yes. Even though what we're seeing on the world stage at the moment isn't necessarily particularly subtle either. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, okay. It's hard to. But it was like so, some, yeah, you know, how do you compare? But um, still a different time. Um, in his autobiography, Barry refers to this time in prison as being a period of self-improvement. He remained musically active behind bars, writing a number of songs that later became hits. <laughs> he also, I think he, he worked on his business acumen and he, he uh, I'm sure I heard him say somewhere that he worked on his his maths and he... Uh, it, Someone asked him later, what uh, what advice would you give younger you? And he said, first, you know, get good at music, then get good at maths, then get good at business, because these are the things that are, are, are as important as anything else wow. in the business, just because he's so aware of getting ripped off, I think. Mm. Um, and then yeah, I think that led to him getting a bit of a reputation as a tight ass. He'd expect payments in cash because he got ripped off a few times. And then I'm like, does that make you the tight ass that you want to get paid for the yeah. work you've done? <laughs> oh, come on, tight ass. <laughs> yeah. All right, all right. You yeah. want me to pay you for your job? All right. There was this story Keith Richards told on Jimmy Fallon and he goes, so we're, we're backstage after a show. And then he went off to collect his cash. He's a bit of a tight wad. Like, what are you talking? And he's like Keith Richards' idol. Oh, what do you mean getting paid? I guess in Keith Richards, like, I'll let other people handle it. Yeah. Yeah, you maybe, I don't know. Maybe whatever. you're getting ripped off. Um, so, yeah, he anyway, he sees his, he tried to make a, a positive thing about that time behind bars. But uh, in 1963, he was released from prison and resumed his music career. While behind bars, his legacy was kept alive by the bands who were influenced by him, perhaps most notably the Beatles, but the Rolling Stones and all these rock bands had come out, especially from England and the British invasion. 
the Beatles were very open about Barry's influence on them. And in 1963, they had a number one single with a cover of Roll Over Beethoven. That was a number one hit single in Australia. I don't think it went, went number one anywhere else. And in 1965, had another Australian number one with a cover of Barry's rock and roll music. Uh, during this period, the Beatles would also cover Barry's Too Much Monkey Business, Carol, Johnny Be Good, Memphis, Tennessee, and Sweet Little Sixteen. So they, they could put an album together of the Beatles' Barry covers. Huh. Chuck Berry's greatest hits as played by the Beatles. <laughs> yeah, they're basically a Berry cover band. Yeah. Early on, they really were. Yeah. So much of their sound, it was like, it's the kind of thing where you're like, oh, what the, that blurry line between influence and just full-on ripping off. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, it's pretty blatant if they are just playing the song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, interestingly, um, the Beach Boys also covered many of Berry's songs, and I hadn't noticed that before, but I was listening to some Beach Boys before, I'm like, oh, they're so obviously heavily influenced Borderline ripping off. Um, one of the songs they covered was Sweet Little Sixteen, only they changed most of the words and didn't credit him. They're like Sweet Little Seventeen. The, so- the song, <laughs> so good. do you know the song Surfing USA? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a, that is a full-on rip-off. Oh. Uh, it was a big hit, and according to Rolling Stone magazine, Beach Boys songwriter Brian Wilson said he intended the song as a tribute to the rock guitarist, but Barry's lawyers used another term, plagiarism. <laughs> <laughs> I like to see it more as a um, homage, if you will. At least give him a co-writing credit yeah. or something, seeing as he wrote the song. So which song have they changed there to be Surfing, Surfing USA? So it was um, Sweet Little Sixteen. But in the verse of Sweet Little Sixteen, he's talking about all these different places, which is what Surfing USA is. Yeah. And he's just changed it from Sweet Little Sixteen to Surfing USA. It's just, it's exactly the same song. Wow. I mean, for me, that's an homage. Homage. Yeah. <laughs> What a beautiful homage. I love an homage. Thank you so much. Now, can you cut me a check? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Can I get paid? Yeah, all right, all right. All right, Tyler. Right, yeah, right. that's right. <laughs> the whole industry's ripped him off. Yeah. Oh, this Tyler. Oh, my God. This God. guy over here. Once, expecting, he always wants to get paid. wants to finally get paid. For his work. God damn it. Yeah. Yawn. Love Keith Richards. It's like, mate, we're not all like going into the dressing room and doing all the drugs in the world. Yeah. yeah. I'll have one of every drug, thanks. (laughs) Rolling Stone went on to say that, quote, with the threat of lawsuits looming, Beach Boys manager and Brian Wilson's father, Murray Wilson, agreed to give the publishing rights to Ark Music, Barry's publisher. However, Barry's name wouldn't appear on the songwriting credits until three years later in 1966, the year, of course, in the AFL-VFL, the St Kilda Saints won their one and only premiership. And what a fantastic tribute it was to finally name Chuck Berry <laughs> as the songwriter. Yeah. What an homage. It was oh. a big year. <laughs> yeah, was, was, that, was that grand final win an homage? Yeah, it was. Yeah, Tribute to the great king of rock and roll. Uh, the Beatles weren't quite so blatant, but they also ripped off Berry's work on multiple occasions. According to Rolling Stone, on I Saw Her Standing There, which kicked off the Fab Four's debut album, debut album, the swipe was the baseline from Chuck Berry's I'm Talking About You, released only a couple of years earlier. McCartney said soon after, quote, I played exactly the same notes as he did and it fit our number perfectly. Even now when I tell people about it, I find few of them believe me. Therefore, I maintain that a bass riff doesn't have to be original. Which I find an, an interesting takeaway Yeah, there. interesting. I mean, If you, you get away with it. You it's could fun. say it is basically in their band one quarter of the music. <laughs> yeah. It's a b- I've only ripped off one part of his song. This guy that we love. Yeah. 
And it's not that I've changed it slightly or I've been inspired by it. I'm doing the exact same thing. But I mean, it's not the same. Well, it is, Paul. It is. Yeah, it's weird. It's like it. It's funny that it's just a different time thing. You hear it a bit with like generationally with comedy as well, mm. where like a, a few decades back now, people would just steal jokes and be like, and they'd be like, oh, you should see that as a compliment. Now that you know, that's obviously not the case anymore. But that was there was a. Now you'd be cancelled. <laughs> yeah. Um, perhaps more famously, the John Lennon penned "Come Together" rips off Barry's "You Can't Catch Me." From Rolling Stone again. When Lennon played an early version of Come Together for the for the other Beatles, McCartney pointed out that it was very similar to Chuck Berry's 1956 single You Can't Catch Me. McCartney, McCartney said, John acknowledged it was rather close to it. So I said, well, anything you can do to get away from that? So they slowed it down and McCartney added a swampy bass line. He added an original bass line. Swampy. Song. Yeah. Nice. A swampy bass line. What's a swampy? What, how Walking do you- through a swamp. As you walk through the slump. Yeah, it sounds like that. It sounds like blowing into a, one of those clay pots. Did I say you could stop? <laughs> uh, the lyrics, however, so they've they've slowed it down. Obviously, yeah. they've totally changed the Swampy song. Baseline. They've changed the, the tempo. Swamped it up. So add the swamp. <laughs> uh, the lyrics, however, included a line, here come old flat top. He come grooving up slowly. You know, you'd be familiar with Come Together, Jess. Yes. You know that song, Dave? come off flat top. He come grooving up slowly. Yeah, how swampy does that sound? So swampy. Now I get it. So from the song that Lennon kind of ripped off, yes. I think you could argue that this is pretty good proof that he just left in plain sight. Uh, Barry had a line in his song, He come a flat top. He was moving up with me. Okay. He come a flat top. He was moving up with me. Now I'm gonna he change. Just never different. got it. He just never changed. Like it's that's like a filler at the rehearsal. I'll change that later. Obviously, I don't want everyone to know that I've definitely ripped off a guy who I say is my hero. Yeah, that's what I find so weird. It's it's an homage thing. But you're like, oh, you, but you're just stealing. Yeah. But then I guess Chuck sort of was doing similar things when he started out. He was borrowing from his influences and that as well. But, I, yeah, I'm not sure if it's quite as blatant as this, though. Yeah. And, and a guy whose record label has gone after the Beach Boys. Like, maybe he's going to clearly want credit, right? Yeah. So I won't rip it off. Yeah. In an interview, Lennon acknowledged the song's source, which he pro- uh, which proved inconvenient when Morris Levy, Music World Heavy and publisher of You Can't Catch Me, sued Lennon in 1973. Well, it's the other thing. I think some of those Barry deals meant that he didn't really have control of some of those songs as well. Um, that resulted in a sequence of suits and countersuits, but the bottom line was that Lennon agreed to cover three songs owned by Levy, which he did, a straight-up cover of You Can't Catch Me, which is, you know... So he, what he did was he sped up Come Together, <laughs> took out a bit of the swamp and then slightly changed the lyrics back. Uh, and he also did two different versions of Lee Dorsey's Yeah Yeah. What, uh, what a weird deal. Yeah. Mm. You, all right, I've been busted basically covering one of your songs. Now I have to cover three of your songs. Yeah. So I guess it's like we'll make money back that way yeah, rather than just like, you paying for you're it. You're a big artist, so whatever you make will sell. Yeah. Um, there seemed to be no hard feelings between Lennon and Barry, though. 
they met for the first time. There's something people talk about Barry as he's like a real bitter and grumpy guy. He changed a lot after coming out of, of jail, which I'll mention soon, they say. But I don't, I don't know. It, everything I see of him, I'm like, he seems fun and nice and yeah. and lovely. So uh, there's a video, I'll link it in the show notes of an interview. It's a real nice interview from like the 70s. And there's only one comment on it. And it's like, great singer, but what an ego. I'm like, <laughs> and I replied, I'm like, he seems so humble in this interview. I don't, I don't understand. It's just so strange. Oh, and you've fallen for their trap. You engaged. You engaged. No, but th- that comment had like 80 likes. I, I, anyway. You felt you had to defend. I'm just like, I'm just like, have you, did you watch the video you commented yeah. on? That's, I feel like he did and he's got an idea in his head. No, those likes, that's 80 people waiting for an idiot to reply. <laughs> Sucked in. To another idiot. It's a Venus flytrap. Yeah, damn And it. I've just settled on it. Yeah, I'm a sucker. Um, so yeah, but they there did seem to be no hard feelings between the two. They met for the first time in 1972 on the Mike Douglas show, and I'll uh, link to a video of this as well. So it's on on TV. It's kind of cool. You see top, the moment. Yeah. Top comment. Great singer, but what an <laughs> what ego. An and they're talking about John Lennon this time. <laughs> probably more accurate. Yeah, well, that's probably. Um, on the show, Leonard said to Douglas. I think he is the greatest. I really love him. It's an honour to be here backing him. And you could sort of feel he was a bit nervous. It was like, it's funny seeing Lennon post-Beatles still like, um, it was like a sending him back to a child oh, fan cool. sort of thing. Um, the host then asked Lennon if he would like to introduce Barry to the stage and Lennon read the auto cue, I assume it was the auto cue, which said, if you were to give rock and roll another name, you might call it Chuck Berry. So he's just reading the audio cue, but then he sort of he, he clocks what he said and he he nods and he goes right on, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then so then he continues to introduce him. But that it's funny that quote is often quoted. Lennon said, "If you had another name oh, right. for rock and roll, it would be Chuck Berry." But you're pretty sure it was written. But it looks like he's yeah. just reading what was written. But he did nod in agreement and say, right. So like, yeah, if you had an, another name for greatness, it would be McDonald's. <laughs> he's reading out an ad. <laughs> really, yeah, and commanding it. Uh, then Barry came out and they played a couple of Barry's hits, Memphis, Tennessee, and Johnny Be Good. Uh, oh, together they played it. Yeah, they're That's singing cool. on the same mic. It's a real, ni- it's a real nice clip. Uh, and... Oh, yeah, so I'll link it in the show notes. I think people have got to watch it. You guys have got to watch it. Everything I've said is the reason to watch it, but as a little bit of cream on the top, Yoko Ono is playing in the band and there's a couple of seemingly out of nowhere noises she makes <laughs> that are, are so good. It sort of sounds like a like a sedated kookaburra or something. It's just real great. I really like Yoko and I love how she just gets She's playing on a, some sort of percussion instrument and then just, Picks up the mic and just <laughs> makes some sounds. I loved it. Chuck her and he Sit looks down. like, no, what's just, going on? Everyone's just like, that's clever. Either we all knew that was going to happen or we kind of assumed that was going to happen or whatever. <laughs> but, yeah, it's great. Everyone seemed like they're having a great time. That's nice. Uh, anyway, so he, he got out of prison and got straight back into releasing hit records, the thing he did best including Nadine, No Particular Place to Go, which is, I think, one of my favourites, and You Never Can Tell, another one of my favourites. Great, great, great tunes. Um, and they were, yeah, also huge uh, charting songs. Um, but something had changed in him, according to friend and country musician Carl Perkins. You know Carl Perkins? <gasps> yeah, Uncle Carl. Uncle Carl. 
You one might of the, one of the five on your hand. He's probably most famous <laughs> for um, riding blue suede shoes, which Elvis covered and ah. made an even bigger hit. Uh, That's cool. Reflecting on their British tour together in 1964, Perkins said, Never saw a man so changed. He'd been an easygoing guy before, the kind of guy who'd jam in dressing rooms, sit up and swap licks and jokes. In England, he was cold. Swap licks? Licks. You just lick each other. Yeah. That feels inappropriate. Guitar lick each other. Yeah, lick for a lick. That's how you just get sick. (laughs) Stop licking everyone. Well, this isn't a pre-COVID world. Oh, yeah. No, I've forgotten about that. I forgot what it's like to lick friends. Yeah. I miss it. it. So much. (laughs) Can't wait to lick you. It tastes great. (laughs) Do do you think we'll ever be able to do it again? Ugh, We can only dream. Funny thing is, you wouldn't know this by looking at him, but Dave, he actually tastes like caramel. Hmm. Yeah. I tell people I'm rainbow, but really, it's caramel. (laughs) Uh, but he, he went, uh, Perkins kept going. He said, it wasn't just jail. It was those years of one night as grinding it out like that can kill a man. But I figured it was mostly jail. I'm guessing the one night is he's talking about just having a gig every night after night, right. town yeah. to town. He's like, could have been those one nighters also take it out of it. But yeah. Probably mostly jail. It's probably, do you know what I reckon? It's probably mostly the jail part. In the jail? Could be. Cause that was exactly when I saw the difference. Yeah, but also, you know, just as you get older, things change. Gigging, and, uh, maybe stuff was hard at home. It's probably jail. It's probably the jail <laughs> part. <laughs> uh, watching a bunch of live clips and interviews uh, from him uh, at this time, he always seems fun and happy and generous as an interviewee. So I, I don't know, but obviously, but, but it obviously, does. What an ego! But it does sound like people talk about the ego and the bitterness and all that, and I just haven't seen it. But maybe I, I haven't been watching the right clips. Even though there was this one that's <laughs> meant to be a famous argument between him and Keith Richards in a documentary that was made, and they're like, you know, really caught a pretty angry moment. I'm like, they're putting that. You watch it, and they're sort of, they look like they're acting like Jerry Seinfeld. You know, sort of, they, they're, they're playing it up yeah, a little bit. Yeah, right. I might be wrong, uh, and I'm, I apologise if I am. <laughs> well, I'll just say you think you're – maybe I've been watching the wrong clips. It's like you've watched a clip that someone says what an ego, and you're like, what are you talking <laughs> yeah. about? Yeah. There's no ego there. I'll show it to you after we record. I'm, I'd, be, I'd be curious to see. You know, I'm, sometimes I, I fall in love with my subject, and I don't, <laughs> I don't see – when you get so close to someone, like I've yeah. been reading and watching him for a week yeah, nonstop. Like when we did the Charles Manson episode, wow. Yeah. I started to get it. Honestly, the serial killers are different. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in <laughs> non- 1972, he released a cover of Dave Bartholomew's novelty song, My Dingaling, a song on face value about a little bell toy, but full of phallic double entendres, which made it a little controversial. <laughs> Reading about this song helped me finally get an old Simpsons reference where a kid where starts, starts singing. singing My dear dear and then Skinner comes out and he says, This act is over. <laughs> and grabs him. I want yeah. you to play with my jingling. <laughs> but anyway, this cover, Top the Charts in America, remains his only US number one hit. A silly cover of a novelty song. It's so weird. So he was just doing it for fun, presumably. Uh, yeah, I, d- I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> such a bizarre quirk that that's his big hit, even though, you know, it's not, but it, like, if you just go off the charts. When you said Chuck Berry, I thought of Johnny Be Good and I thought of My Dingling, <laughs> honestly, which is a bit shameful. He really. can play a guitar just like a My Dingling. <laughs> <laughs> Your Dingling can play guitar? <laughs> 
Uh, so Barry continued playing live throughout. Uh, he slowed right down in terms of recording, um, not releasing any new material after his 1979 album. But he, he kept touring through all that time. Someone I don't think I've written about, but he he would um, tour basically solo, and then in each town, he just he, a, a local band would back him. Oh wow! Normally, he wouldn't they wouldn't talk too much about the set lists and stuff, and they'd sort of just have to watch him for the changes, sort of stuff, and. Um, that led to pretty inconsistent shows, yep. depending on the band. Yeah, it would do, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think apparently Bruce Springsteen was in one of these bands what? in his early like early days. Wow. I guess when he came to New Jersey. Uh, and uh, this is another thing that has seemed, uh, proves to some people that he's a tired ass. You know, he didn't have to pay a touring band. He said it wasn't necessarily that. He did like just um, keeping it loose on stage, but he also... Uh, didn't like touring with bands and their sort of debaucherous lifestyles, drinking and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, Cop, that's fair. Cop that Keith Richards. But, you know, there's two sides of every story. He also really stopped doing interviews. So I think maybe this is where some of that um, legend of him being a bitter old man came from. He said he stopped doing them because he was sick of uh, journalists twisting his words. Mm. So he's like, I'm just not going to do interviews anymore uh, if you're just going to write whatever you want anyway. Um, but that just meant that people would, you know, they they go, oh, he, he doesn't do encores. He's like, I, I just put everything into the show and then I stop, which makes sense to me. Encores is such a bizarre thing that it's now expected. But you kind of, it feels like the show is incomplete without one. Mm. But they're just, it's so manufactured, it's it's kind of dumb. Yeah. And how awkward is it when the crowd doesn't really want it and they're like, come on, you want to. Encore. We oh, haven't played no. our big song yet. <laughs> you sure Everyone's you don't like, want us to cool. come back out? It's all right. Well, we've only got a two-hour park. We'll just go. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Honestly, we're getting old. You're getting old. Yeah. Let's just all go to bed. You look like you were having fun, <laughs> and that's all that matters. Um, Many of the bands he inspired would go on to make a lot more money than him, which is a pretty brutal thing about all of this. Uh, often whilst borrowing from his style or straight up ripping him off, as I talked about before. Feels like Barry would have been well within his rights to be angry or bitter about it, but he didn't seem to be. When he was asked about it by the LA Times and how, if if it got to him that um, he wasn't making as much money as basically his children of rock were, he said, I keep thinking about the positive side. Sound How bitter does this guy sound? <laughs> oh, my God. We get it. Uh I keep thinking about the positive side. I'd say, look, look how much money I made from writing my songs and singing them, both of which I like to do. I remember the Rolling Stones getting $50,000 in Miami on the Ed Sullivan show, and I was making $500 a night, and they were playing my song. But I thought, what about the $500 that I was making every night? And 100 nights, I'd have $50,000. What a tight ass. Look at this ego. Bitter, bitter prick. <laughs> Oh my god! I hate this guy. I'm like, that's like, I. It feels like no one would be thinking that positively. Watching another band play your song and make a hundred times yeah, the you're amount getting you're paid one percent of what they're getting paid. Yeah, that's insane. I mean, there's like six of them. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, split those costs up. Hey, guys, it's not that much is it? You're you know, and then counting the tambourine player. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, one six should go to the tambourinist. And they've got a manager and roadies and, you know, ugh. Yeah, they probably flew around with the whole same band all the time. Ugh. He didn't have these kind of overheads to worry about. Yeah, 500 bucks actually was, I mean, he's, he's doing very well. I don't know. They're, these are the kind of quotes I'm like, what a bloody legend. Mm. I, if I, I kind of was hoping he'd be like, yeah, it's fucking not right. Yeah. And I would have been like, you're yeah. right. It is fucking not right. But he's like, oh, you know. I got to play music. I loved it. <laughs> I love music. And that's another thing that came up. People going, oh, he doesn't like encores. Uh, he doesn't even tour with his own band. He's just doing it for the money. Because, um, you know, it's all keeping costs down. But I, I don't. I just don't think it was that. He kept playing He kept playing uh, shows in small venues. He did a, like a residency for a while in his hometown. He could be, like if he came to Australia, he'd be playing arenas, you'd think. He could make way more money than he was if he wanted to by playing shows. He was clearly enjoying playing as well. Yeah. There was one interview sort of when he was mid-career, I think he was about 50, and he's like, oh, you know, like, I want to do a bit more travel now. There's places I want to go. I haven't been to Hong Kong yet. Oh, this is in the uh, film, uh, in the clip where he's got a big ego. A huge yeah. ego. He's like, you know, I'd play one or two shows a week. And, uh, yeah, I've just got other things. I've got other oh, commitments now. I've God. got some property and stuff. I just can't listen to him <laughs> bragging. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's insufferable. How about you list more places you haven't been? Yeah. Wow. God. He's always talking about Shut places he hasn't been. Shut up. He also, I mean, maybe one of the things that people seem to think you Maybe he comes across as a bit ungrateful. He would say whenever he got awards and stuff and people ask, what do they mean to you? He's like, it doesn't really mean anything to me. He did say in one interview that he's like, um, if you don't want to feel really low, you also, you got to try and avoid feeling really high. So I, I don't, I don't, if people are being real mean to me, it doesn't affect me. If people are being real nice to me, it doesn't really affect me. I'm just trying to keep in the middle, you know, just like, sounds like a uh, kind of smart philosophy. But in uh, the accolades never stopped for him, you know, like while he was making the hits, the accolades were selling records and being super influential. And then after he stopped making albums necessarily, although he was still active, uh, the uh, Lifetime Achievement type stuff started rolling in. In 1985, he received the Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award. The following year, in 1986, he was the first inductee into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The first. Yeah, so he was the first, I mean, he was in a... The first class. Yes, but he was, I think he was the first in the first class. Well, I mean, that's what... what they must have thought about that, right? That's not just a coincidence. And Elvis, I think, bookended at the other end of that first class as well. According to the Sunday Post, quote, The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame panel of experts said of Chuck, while no individual can be said to have invented rock and roll, Chuck Berry comes the closest of any single figure to being the one who put all the essential pieces together. It was his particular genius to craft country and western guitar licks onto rhythm and blues chassis in his very first single, Maybelline. When introducing Berry into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Keith Richards of the Rolling Stones said, It's very difficult for me to talk about Chuck Berry because I've lifted every lick he ever played. This is the man that started it all. Isn't it funny that it's like, yeah, I've stolen all yeah. his work. They kind of, I mean, they became friends and stuff. They played together and... Everything he does, I just steal it <laughs> and I make more money off it. And he just, he keeps making it and I just keep stealing. 
It's like, I don't want to. I don't want to keep doing this, but he just keeps making it. He's forcing my head. All right, Chuck, twist my arm. Here I go again. <laughs> you bloody tired ass. All right. All right. Yeah, all right, tired yeah, ass. Yeah. I'll steal more music from you. All right. Fine, okay. I know that is kind of, that's how a lot of creative stuff works. The people are influenced by those who come before them. Mm. But yeah, it, it did seem like particularly blatant with Chuck Berry stuff for some reason. Richards also later recalled a run-in he had with Barry, and he told he's told this story a few times. Um, one of those times was on the the uh, Jimmy Fallon show where he called him a tired ass. This one he leaves out that detail, <laughs> um, <laughs> but he said uh, we've had our ups and downs. He once gave me a black eye backstage at his gig. He'd left his guitar in the dressing room. I just picked it, and he walks in saying, "Nobody touches that." Bam. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty amazing. Just not even a warning, just straight punch to the face. Uh, I bet he never picked it up again. Yeah. A few months later, I, uh, this is still Keith Richards. A few months later, I got this apologetic, Keith. I didn't know it was you. <laughs> it was, uh, I just said to him, Look, Chuck, you did the right move. I wouldn't let nobody touch mine either. Okay, then why'd you pick up his? <laughs> Keith. Well, because everything he has, I also have to have. <laughs> Honestly, I lift his guitar. I lift his songs. Uh, Barry's music also lives on through multiple movies. A couple of his songs feature in George Lucas's 1973 film American Graffiti, which I've never seen. Have you seen no, it? No, I haven't seen it. I'm keen to see it. It's sort of like a... It's a young Harrison Ford? Yeah, that's right. Um, it's like car culture of the 50s. It's a oh. nostalgia film about the 50s made in the 70s. <laughs> um, Remember 20 years ago yeah, Wow uh, In 1990 Run Run Rudolph Could be heard in Home Alone That's I think yep. that's one of my favourite Christmas tunes um, In 1994 Berries you, uh, you Never Can Tell Is played in the classic scene Where Uma Thurman and John Travolta Are doing that twist Oh yeah Say la vie Say la vie I love that Yeah love it. So good uh, his songs have also featured on many other movies and TV shows, but maybe the most iconic, at least <laughs> to people of my vintage, hundreds of years old, um, Johnny Be Good is featured towards the end of 1985's Back to the Future, mm-hmm. another one of our previous reports. There uh, we go. In it, Marty McFly travels back to 1955 and plays it at his parents' high school prom where he tells the crowd, this is an oldie, but, uh, well, it's an oldie where I come from. <laughs> While playing it, Barry's fictional cousin, Marvin, calls Chuck and says, Chuck, Chuck, it's Marvin, your cousin, Marvin Barry. (laughs) (laughs) You know that new sound you were looking for? Well, listen to this. And then he holds up the phone (laughs) to the music. It's your cousin, Marvin (laughs) Barry. I love that kind of exposition. That's great writing. Yeah. But I also, and this has been noted a lot of times, it basically suggests that a white man wrote this classic Chuck Berry song. (laughs) And he stole it. But he, I mean, it's a weird loop because also, obviously, Marty McFly only heard it because Chuck Berry had written it. Yeah. Time, huh? Oh, that's crazy. That'll break <laughs> yeah. your brain thinking about that. Uh, it hurts. And, and something I didn't realise, I always assumed, oh, obviously, Berry must uh, release that song in a few years and he and one of his early hits. But that year when that movie's set, he's just released Maybelline. He's already done that sound, Marvin. All right? Yeah. That new sound you've already released. Yeah. You know how you just invented rock and roll? Well, here's some rock here's, and roll. Here's another guy doing it. 
<laughs> Has he ripped you off, actually? <laughs> I think that's going to be a problem for you. <laughs> I foresee this in your future. <laughs> yeah. So I said before he didn't release any albums after his 19, late 1970s album. Yeah. Well, that was a bit of a lie. Oh, did you lie to what? us, did you? Yeah, it was a little that bit of a fib. little fib there. Because after an, a 38-year absence, on his 90th birthday in 2016, <laughs> it was announced that he'd be releasing his first album of new material, an album simply titled Chuck. 90 years old? Yeah. Whoa. I think he said it, well... This is what he um, he wrote. The album was dedicated to his wife of 68 years, The Matter. And I said I couldn't remember her nickname. He called her Toddy. Toddy. <laughs> they were married for 68 years. Wow. And uh, Chuck said in a statement, This record is dedicated to my beloved Toddy, my darling. I'm growing old. I've worked on this record for a long time. Now I can hang up my shoes. Toddy is such a good nickname. It's a great nickname. Toddy. I've listened to this album quite a bit. It's really good. Wow. I love it. I think, yeah, it's like a chunk, because like, you've got some, maybe some slightly more modern production and stuff. I'm a sucker for a slightly chunkier sound. There's and, a synthesizer in there. Yeah, yeah. Of a dance club hit. <laughs> 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 and but then there's cowbell too. It's very confusing, <laughs> but it works. Uh, and then, you know, there's classic... Chuck Berry sounding songs, but he, you know, he's he plays a bunch of different stuff. I mean, all his if you listen to all his hits, but he he released a lot of songs, and he his style does vary quite a bit. And this album's like a, quite a good overview of that, I think. And he's still singing quite well at ninety. Yeah, sing, That's sounding amazing. great. Um, sadly though, between the announcement of the album's re- uh the announcement and the album's release on March the eighteenth, two thousand and seventeen, Berry passed away at the age of ninety. Oh. As we know, all good things must come to an end. And 90 is obviously a super good innings. Great, great innings. 68 years married. I'm so glad he uh, got that album got out. Got the album out and he said he's going to hang up the boots. Yeah, and, then, yeah. and he did. The ultimate hang up of the boots. Yeah, it's on. pretty amazing how... Um, <laughs> that's, that's beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Axel, there's a few that have done similar sort of things. Bowie had a similar thing where he, uh, Leonard Cohen's last album were like he really knew it was coming and... Uh, the lyrics reflected that in some ways. Mm. So yeah, it's just it's cool to be able to just have a sort of a goodbye note with the thing that made you famous and you love doing. So I was so stoked to read that. Um, after his passing, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame put out a statement saying that Barry quote created the rock sound. It's a bit more definitive there, isn't it? Mm. Chuck Berry is rock and roll. They said the undisputed original poet laureate of rock. I think they left that out, but. <laughs> this is what people always talk about his his songs are, are stories they're short stories they've got a beginning middle and end and that's one of the things apart from you know his rock sound he's, he, he started that he mastered it he influenced so many others but so many are big fans of his his lyrics as well um, so the undisputed original poet laureate they said he influenced every rock and roll artist after him and every guitarist that ever plugged in Today we celebrate his poetry, his artistry, and his massive contributions to 20th century culture. It's fitting that he was the first person inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Rock and roll as we know it now would not exist without him. Hail, hail, rock and roll, which is one of his lyrics. Hail, hail, Chuck Berry. Oh, giving tingles reading that. Um, at the time, the rock community paid their respects as well. Bruce Springsteen wrote on Twitter, Chuck Berry was rock's greatest practitioner, guitarist, and the greatest pure rock and roll writer who ever lived. 
Rest in peace, Chuck Berry, the genius behind the great sound of rock and roll, tweeted Alice Cooper. And Mick Jagger wrote that all of us in rock have now lost our father and that his music is engraved inside us forever. Uh, He leaves a massive legacy. Without him, popular music today would be unrecognisable. The artists who have covered his songs give you a good indication of how well-respected he is. This is not at all a, a complete list, but just a few names. Elvis Presley... Jimi Hendrix, The Beatles, The Rolling Stones, ELO, ACDC, and then you got AC, uh, Angus Young also did the, the <laughs> also duck, took his, duck his walk dance well. move. David Bowie, The Kinks, and great friends of Lithuanian basketball, The Grateful Dead. Fantastic. Uh, finally, this is from Britannica. A bit of a fun fact, I guess. I'll decide okay. that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was the quickest... <laughs> And like, uh, well, I was panicked, but still a bit yeah, defensive. <laughs> I, I knew I, yeah, okay. I knew I misstepped there. I crossed <laughs> the line, and I, I retract it. <laughs> a fact. Let's see if it's fun or not. This is straight from Britannica. An appropriate tribute to Barry's centrality to rock and roll came when his song "Johnny Be Good" was among the pieces of music placed on gold-plated copper phonograph record that was attached to the side of the Voyager One space probe and sent hurtling through outer space in order to give distant or future civilizations a chance to acquaint themselves with the culture of the planet Earth in the 20th century. So they put it onto vinyl? Yes. Did they uh, uh, send off a turntable as well? Or <laughs> I think it's an all sort of scenario. To... <laughs> oh, they'll get, they'll get it when they see those grooves. Uh, I think if anyone knows, aliens know, they get a much richer sound Oh, vinyl. it sounds so much deeper. <laughs> but it wasn't just vinyl. It was gold plate, a copper phonograph record. Mmm. Now, all of a sudden, you know, there's people out there going, what am I playing on this fucking yeah. vinyl bullshit for? I'm such a fucking People are frisbeeing him into the wall. Get me some gold-plated copper phonograph. Please, Matt, that is a fun fact. Oh, thank God. Oh, and I do apologize. <laughs> and that is my report on the legend who is Chuck Berry. Well done. Great work there, Matt. Fantastic. embarrassingly little. Yes, I was the same. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I'm i so glad I, I had the chance. I mean, this was the why I put those three artists up because I really want to learn more about all three of them mm. and many more, but they were just the um, mm. the first three that sort of came to mind. And, um, yeah, so thanks for uh, giving me this opportunity, Jess and Dave, and the listeners to spend a week with Chuck. Oh. I've been playing nothing but him Uh and I was so paranoid about giving it. I kept singing songs, different songs every time before we started. And then I'm like pull, holding back. You, oh, because you don't want us to be like, why, yeah, are, you why are you singing all these Chuck Berry songs? <laughs> Dave would have said Little Richard, of course. Yeah. No, I would have said, why are you singing all those uh, Beach Boys songs? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love the Beatles is what I would have said. But Yeah, they're the kind of things. Well, that, so the, the Beatles report, like all the ones that are sort of um, he weaved through. Mm. Uh, Beatles was one. Elvis. Elvis. Uh, Back to the Future. Back to the Future. Yeah, that were, maybe that were the big three. But yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it's just I mean he he went the whole way through such an important time and he influenced all. I mean any of the rock bands we've talked about in previous episodes don't exist without him. Just a what a wild yeah. thing. Pretty amazing. Yeah. And he was. I feel like he was so humble about it. just a cog, just a cog in the oh, wheel. I'm just a cog in the machine. Oh my god! But like <laughs> a gold-plated cog. Yes, yes definitely. Gold-plated so. copper cog. Oh yeah, love that. 
Well done, Matty. Yeah, that was a great well, report. You. Enjoyed that a lot. I, I must admit I'm on the same page. I really knew very little. No, I think I knew Johnny Be Good and, and then you're naming other songs. I'm like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. A lot of them I'd first heard from the covers. Like, mm. I think I knew... Uh, like it's embarrassing the way I heard some of these songs. I think rock and roll music was featured in a um, if I'm remembering this right, in a Yahoo Serious movie <laughs> okay. called Young Einstein. I might yeah. be misremembering <laughs> from when I was like at three years old or something. I mean, three hundred years old or whatever. <laughs> and um, uh, that Bob Seger covered uh the Sailor V. You never can tell. I don't you know, know. Yeah. The one, the one the from. Pop, I know that from Pop Fiction. Pop that's fiction. why I know it. Oh, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. But then oh, you hear yeah. his version, like, oh, I've heard, I know all these songs. So mm. I've been listening and going, oh my God, there's so many. Yeah. I think I kind of saw him as like maybe someone who was a bit lame. Right. So I, yeah, I, I don't, I had like the totally wrong idea in my head. He just is super cool. I like, he's got a skinny mustache. Wow. Slick hair all the way through his like fifties and sixties, still real greased back hair and and the manicured mustache. Um, yeah, I think I can picture him. And he would wear like in the seventies wild sort of silky shirts. Great, uh, wild fashion. Love Good a bit to of wild. Breathe too. Yeah, that would be nice. The uh, a breathable fabric. <laughs> That's all I think about. Yeah, is breathable, fa- especially on stage. It's very hot. And I love how he, I, he just sort of, he kind of semi-retired. Mm. He just sort of, he sort of just wound it down a Took bit. Thirty odd years off, and just enjoyed his life. Ah, oh. listening to his. Um, uh, there's another thing. I'll another video I'll link to where there's sort of one of those quirky journalists from England went over to do a story about Chuck Berry. Mm. It was in the eighties or nineties, I think. And he interviewed his uh, two of his kids, and they're talking about he, like he mows his, his own lawn, and um, he just like like living a, his life, yeah, you know. Being a normal he finds person. it re- relaxing, and um, people say he he went and played the show that he played there in his hometown in St. Louis. It looked like it maybe was a couple hundred people sort of size venue. Like, oh, imagine living there, just bumping into him down the shops yeah, and stuff. Yeah, and he's just doing his own shopping. Yeah. And, and you, Chuck Berry. And he probably knows your name. Yeah, Like, he's just yeah. around. I don't know. It's wild. That's pretty wild. But also, let's address just one more time before we wrap up. Darlin' Ingrid. <laughs> yeah. Aloha. Yeah. Oh, wow. Charles. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> it's his name. <laughs> and then Melody. Yeah. Aloha mm-hmm. Berry. My God, that's good. <laughs> I say that every morning when I open the fridge. Aloha, berry. Grab the blueberries. Meet tummy. <laughs> <laughs> nom, 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 nom. <laughs> uh, All right. Well, I guess uh, now it's time to do everyone's probably favorite section of the show, the fat quote or question section of the show, where Patreons on the Sydney Schoenberg Deluxe Memorial Rest in Peace Edition level can give us a fact, a quote, or a question. They also get to give us a... Uh, title for themselves and they get to do this how do they do this again jess how do they do it yeah well they go well yeah good question they go to <laughs> patreon.com slash do go on pod they sign up and uh yeah if anyone is on that level um the system is uh maybe not all, always that clear but when you sign up there's a welcome message and it has uh the instructions about how to get the fact quote or question but if you're listening on it wonder when matt's going to get in contact I was. I'm hoping that you read that message and and you do it yourself. But if you haven't, <laughs> if you're wondering, feel free to uh, message us on Patreon and I'll help you with the instructions for sure. 
Um, oh, for sure. For sure. I just, just uh, hoping there's no one just sitting at home waiting patiently. I guess he'll call. Yeah, surely any day. But if you are, what Check, a polite person you are. Checking Thank the letterbox. <laughs> surely yeah. he'll write. It's very sweet. Uh, so we'll, we'll get through. We're trying to get through a few more of these because there's a, a few people in there now, but we're getting through a few each week. So let's see how many we get through this week. Firstly, from Odie Matthews. Odie. Who has given himself the title of CEO of still not knowing what a CEO does, but faking it. Till I make it. That's what you got to do as a Love CEO. That. What do they do? Who knows? And I don't read hey, this. Chief Executive. The what? office. Yeah. yeah. What do they do? A Chief Executive. I think they oversee. They got a vision. Uh, they have, they <sighs> sit in a big chair for a bit. Yeah. Okay. Go Probably to a lot a, of meetings. Maybe have a corner office. Yeah. But I hope you got a bloody corner office, mm. let me tell you. That's something that I know people aspire to. <laughs> what a weird thing to aspire to. Corner Whereabouts? office. Whereabouts? Oh, I want one of them corners. I want just two solid walls. <laughs> anyway, good on I them. want less less possible space to hang stuff. <laughs> I just want windows. Uh, yeah, I guess it's the view. That's probably what we're Or light or just, you light. know, A bit of natural power. light. Oh, imagine. Love natural light. Uh, so, Odie asks a question. I don't read these till I read them. And this is what he's written. I'm curious what out of your individual stand-up bits, which is your favorite? I looked you guys up on YouTube when I first started listening and Matt's joke about turning the boat around still makes me laugh. Oh, it's an old bit. Um, <laughs> also, would you guys consider uploading more of your stand-up on different platforms for those of us who can't come see it in person? Or maybe you already have and I'm just an idiot. But either way, thanks a whole heck of a lot. Odie, you are not an idiot. I don't. There's not a ho- There's not heaps of stand up of any of ours up online. I think we've nah. all got a few bits. I am. I'm, this year I was gonna record an hour, um, and obviously that has not happened. I'm still think that's gonna happen next year. But yeah, probably what you found is what you what there is. Yeah, I've, I've sort of put them all in one place now on my YouTube channel at youtubecom Stewart. <laughs> uh but yeah, I think it's definitely something I'd be keen to do. The problem, I think, what, kind of what you're asking is just recording one of the shows we do. It's just it's just tricky to um, know when the you want the everything's got to be right for those sort of things. It's a very yeah. live show and a live tape show is it's very different when you do one for for film and one for the room. I think anyway. It's something I've been thinking about a lot. And they're also expensive to do and all sorts of other things. But Yeah, there's lots of factors at play there. Also, I don't really gig anymore. So that makes it harder to then film the gigs that I don't do. Do you regret not filming more of it while you were doing it more? Uh, yeah, but also, like, I mean, how many gigs do you do where it's worth filming it? <laughs> yeah. That's not a dig on any of them, but, like, I'm not going to film just at a pub to 10 punters, you know? I feel like your material always feels so outdated. But, you know, look back at... F- yeah. The stuff I've got on YouTube is like five or six years old, I think. You look at it and you go, oh. Yeah, I don't... <laughs> oh, no. I don't love it. Yeah, it's, fu- it's a funny thing, isn't it? You, Yeah, it's the difference between, oh, I want to capture this while I'm doing it because, like, like, I've got all material that you, you drop as you go along. You're like, oh, I kind of wish I'd had that up somewhere, but maybe... And there's other bits where I'm like, I'm glad I don't have that up anywhere. Yeah. Because that's lame now or whatever. Or the reference that I was referring to, no one knows what it is anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm. uh, I think, I, I think I, there's a video of me on YouTube and I re- reference Joe Hockey. <laughs> yeah, oh, wow. Uh, they, then, uh, Smoking Joe. 
He's still around. He's isn't he some sort of an ambassador? An to ambassador America to the USA for Australia, but at the time, yeah, high up in our our parliament and the government. But yeah, but now people be like, "Sorry, who? Do you have a favorite bit? It's been so long since I've done a gig, I can't even bloody remember." List bit's still my favorite. List bit. That's the the the, the blue and pink rappers. Oh fuck, that was fun actually. Oh no, that's not the list bit. No, but that was fun. Um, but I don't remember that bit at all. And I don't think it's recorded. Um, no, there's a bit that's uh, 44 reasons why. Uh, 44, fuck, I've already forgotten. It's just this list I found online and I just read it out and rag on it and it's just a lot of fun to perform. Ah, uh, great. It is on YouTube though. I think, like, because I haven't thought about this all, I don't know. That is a great bit of yours. Mm. Killed every time. I saw you every do it time. a lot and it killed every time. Uh, off the top of my head, maybe my favourite one... Because it's a bit silly and stuff. It's about, um, basically it ends with me um, remembering a farmer punching a cow to death. <laughs> <laughs> when, I mean, that's sort of the, the subtext is like nostalgia is stupid, but I, I don't know if it, but I think people will hopefully laugh either way. <laughs> but funnily enough, I did that on one of my times I would, was filming for TV. I did three bits. That was the middle one. And they cut it. That was oh. the one they cut from. I'm like, oh, that's probably my favourite of the three. Um, huh. But I, I uh, brought it back and worked on it a little bit. And I, it was in my monkey house show from this year. But uh, <laughs> rest in peace. But anyway, maybe it'll survive again <laughs> till next year. But it'd be fun to record that one day. Yeah. I mean, that's on, on tape somewhere at the ABC. Yeah, get in contact. Try and get it. Like, can I get a Freedom of Information Act. Someone yeah. came to my show the next year or the year after and they said, oh, we, we come see a show every year because we're at the taping for that ABC um, show and we love that joke about the cows. <laughs> I'm like, that was the bit that didn't even make the show. Well, I guess I, the men I knew they were there. Yeah. What about you, Dave? Oh, it's so hard. It's like choosing between your children that uh, you haven't seen in a few years. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Fuck them all, hey? Fuck them. They never write. They never call. Yeah, it is hard. Yeah. Oh, it's funny. It's, it's again, I think the, the bit that I'm like, that was really fun to perform. I only ever did like a couple of times. And it was just a, an obscure thing where I referenced a lot of Australian ads. Oh, yeah. Pretending that I would never sell out. In comedy. People yeah. say stand up. It's the most pure for art form. <laughs> yeah. You never stand. It's just, just the person in the audience. And then I just uh, said, I would never sell out. And then I just referenced a lot of Australian ads in my in my story like I was being sponsored. And I thought that was quite funny. Yeah, anyway. that's great. Yeah, it's just like it's fun to do. Yeah, it was just fun. Because not all bits are fun to do. Some you're like, well, I do this because it works. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know you're like, oh, I didn't want to do this, but you made me. Here we are. I'm you doing made it. me by hating yeah. it. Getting up to the list, but I'd be like, all right, well, at least this will be fun for me. And it, it, you know, nine times out of ten does well. That's a bonus. You and they love it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I think, well, I normally like the ones that they like more anyway. You know, yeah, for sure. But there is a gap where it's like starting out. I'm shitting myself about new material, but when that works, great feeling. And then the next time you're like, I know this is going to be go all right. That's the best part. Yeah, that period before you're sort of a bit jaded by. It. Oh, you're like, oh, I have to say these words again in this <laughs> yeah, order. Yeah, that bit before you're sick of it. Yeah, uh, which is probably a good time to drop it, really. <laughs> but you know, sometimes you need you need something to make people laugh in that job. Yeah, unfortunately, it is part of the job. Um, thank you so much for that question, Odie. Made me feel a little uncomfortable, to be honest, talking about that. Um, so thank you for taking me there and making me feel vulnerable. 
Uh, the next one is a quote which comes from Sophie Shooter. Shooter. I've always called you Shooter, I think, Sophie. Sophie Shooter. Uh, she said, my name was Robson on here, but I got married last year. Congratulations. And I just updated it. So sorry if you've never heard of me before. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard of you from the Facebook group, Sophie. Yeah. Tutor. And the, the, the weekly. Uh, but I, I, and didn't we meet? I'm pretty sure we met her in maybe Bristol or somewhere. Hopefully I I'm not confusing her, with someone else. Her maiden name as well. So I've known you for a long time. That hey, we go creepy. way back. That sounds creepy. I'm yeah. sorry. I don't know you. Quick question, you, you though, You don't Sophie. know me. I'm sorry. We've known you a long time. No invite to the wedding? Yeah. No, no. That's awfully rude, isn't it? I mean, you guys didn't get an invite to the wedding. <laughs> oh, wow. Man, I MC that bad boy. <laughs> oh, wow. Absolutely crushed with my beard with Australian ads, <laughs> and that was in Bristol. <laughs> <laughs> that was a very kind crowd. <laughs> uh, so, Sophie's given herself the title Queen of the A303. Good reference. I get definitely... <laughs> <laughs> I love that reference. That's real funny. Dave's looking it up. Uh, <laughs> no. Yes, you are. I just I can see your keyboard. A three O three is a trunk road in southern England running between Basingstoke in Hampshire and Honiton, not saying that right, in Devon via Stonehenge. Oh, oh. wow. Good place. Good sort of dominion to have. Yeah. Uh, as a as, as a, a queen. queen. Yeah, as a queen. Nice one. Uh so Sophie's quote, I think it was, is Quote, for West is where we all plan to go someday. It is where you go when you... Oh, I should start this again. Just before you start, I just wanted to clarify that I am the queen of the Monash Freeway. Oh, okay. Well, I'm the the king of the Nepean. Oh, congratulations, good sir. So I am the prince of the dreaded Montague Street Bridge. (laughs) (laughs) Claims a truck once a month. You're the, the troll of the Montague yeah. Bridge. You must pass under me. You must answer these questions too. And the trucks never can. They don't, they don't talk. They're trucks. Yeah. They try and run me down, but they end up destroying themselves and part of the bridge. Uh, okay. <clears throat> For West is where we all plan to go someday. It is where you go when the land gives out and the old field pines encroach. It is where you go when you hear that there's gold in them there hills. It is where you go to grow up with the country. It is where you go to spend your old age. Or it is just where you go. That's from Robert Penn Warren, All the King's Men. Oh, that's nice. I've got to make the font bigger on, on these. <laughs> really straining to they get sound that. Like, sound like beautiful words, but I think the, uh, the Pet Shop Boys also said it. Go west. Yeah. Where the is free. Uh Sophie's got a little uh, note here at the bottom. As soon as we are allowed to move again, I'm heading west. I'd just like to note that I only upgraded my Patreon uh, to get my shout-out before my friend, who I won't name, that would def- would de- defeat the point. Worth every penny. Oh. <laughs> we love a spiteful <laughs> A Patreon. spiteful pledge. Yeah. <laughs> love that. Uh, thank you, Sophie. Thank uh, you, Sophie. Wanna, here's another quick question from Dan Brunetti. Uh, with the mm, title Bernetti's Legume Lad Legume Lad Legume sorry. Lad I should know Legumes We've got Leg- a Labine boy Legume Lad Oh well that's what he said Legume Lad Erstwhile rival To Labine boy <gasps> That dastardly Legume Lad <laughs> uh, This question I think Is especially for you Maybe da- uh, Dave Oh no I listen to a few as well Do you listen You guys listen to British podcasts I know Dave listen to a few You listen to any Jess Um 
that's a good question. Do you know what? I don't, I don't listen to podcasts that much because I'm rarely doing something that I can be listening to other people talk in the background. Bitter. You sound bitter. You I'm sound like a bit of tight-ass to me. Bitter and twisted. I like a podcast on road trips, but for the most part I'm listening to music while I do stuff. So I don't listen to that many. I've definitely – I have listened to um, – my dad wrote a porno. I've listened to bits and pieces of that. But what do you listen to, Dave? Um, well, I, I must say I haven't listened in a, in a few months, but – Going back for years now, I would say my favorite all-time podcast and the one that I listened to the most that got me into podcasting is Answer Me This, mm. uh, hosted by Helen and Ollie and also Martin the Soundman, who uh, basically for – they're very early adopters of podcasts. They've been going for about 12 years. Wow. wow. And now they only do monthly. God, wouldn't but, that be nice? But for a long time, <laughs> they put it out every single week and basically people just send in questions and they answer them, but they're very funny, very witty Oh, great. I love that. And I also love uh, the sketch trio Pappies. Pappies. Oh, yeah. And you Pappies. took us to see Yeah, we one went to see uh, Tom. Oh, yeah. Tom Parry, one of the. We got in like a tiny, cool, tiny <laughs> little venue. Like a 20-seat venue. Just doing a run-through, a trial. Yeah, him and then Max and Ivan, the sketch duo, did just a, a trial. What was it, about 10 months out from the Edinburgh Fringe yeah, or something? Uh, yeah, well, were... I'm like, oh, this is how the pros do it. Already yeah. trialing. So, yeah, they have a couple of pods. <laughs> they put out all on the one feed. One's called Flat Chair Slam Down, which is just a, a panel show where Matthew plays the uh, – well, they all pretend to live together and he's like the uptight version uh, person in the household and he pits the other two against each other with uh, guest flatmates. It's like a quiz show. It's really, really fun, yeah. Yeah, great. That's good. And, that uh, show was so – Funny. Yeah, he was great. He's great. Yeah, Tom Perry, very, very Ten funny. Ten months I out. Figured, that, that was a trial so, show man, three that, weeks out. I loved that night. It was so fun. Yeah, it was good. I loved touring with you guys. Me too. Anything you want to say? <laughs> I I love it too. I was actually looking at looking at photos of our trip six or seven months back now in London and when we're in Dublin and things like that. A photo came up and I was like, oh. Remember how shit that lock was at the Airbnb in Dublin? Oh, I missed yeah, that. Yeah, we couldn't figure it out. We had to get Matt to lock the door for us every time. I got a photo of Matt like with the door. I don't know why I took the photo, but I've got you there, Jimmy. Anyway, I was like, I felt nostalgic for a lock. Every time, Matt, help. So good. What's wrong with me? Um, I, yeah, and you, Matt? I'm looking through mine. I have a few. I mainly do listen to Australian ones, but... Um, one I've listened to on and off for quite a while, uh, the Comedian's Comedian podcast oh, yes, with Stuart, Stuart Gold. Yeah, I love that too, yeah. Yep. I first listened to it because Alistair trombley Birchall was on, one of the relatively early guests, I think, and um, and a, a few other Australian comics like Dave Quirk and Celia Pequola yeah. and Geraldine Harley Hickey Brains. and stuff. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd jump into that on and off, and I, I think it's really good. He's a great comedy head and he is a really good interviewer and he's a great interviewer and what i really like about the show is that he's actually grown in success in his own stand-up career yeah. and i wonder is that because he's talking to all these great people as well as working hard on his own act like i wonder if, if he just worked hard yeah, on the act without tips. the podcast would he have gotten the, you know because he's you know he's really quite successful now in the uk and i wonder if it is he from did doing conan the pod. or something yeah recently That's and he did a debrief on the podcast that was one of my favorite episodes where he just sort of talked about his day on conan sort of what it was like going in backstage and oh, yeah, everything except for sound like oh it's so fascinating so that one yeah um i really enjoy um uh, off menu 
of uh, <laughs> which we've talked about in the past, which is with Ed Gamble and James Acaster. I was listening to that the other night, um, and they have a like a magic restaurant where their <laughs> guest comes in and has to, and then anything can be served. And I think James Acaster is like a genie now. I don't know if he always was, <laughs> so he can bring whatever you need, and he always asks at some point. Poppadoms or bread. Poppadoms <laughs> or bread. Just out of nowhere. Just, you know those like, those running jokes are just funny every time. But that's one of those, I reckon. <laughs> this reminded me of one of my favourite ever recurring jokes is on that Pappy's Flat Chair Slam Down, which is a quiz. They have the quick fire round. Yeah. And I can't believe it's still funny, but at the end of every episode for like the first four seasons. The jingle was, this is the quick fire <laughs> round. It's really, really quick. And then Matt, the host, Matthew, the host of the show, would be like, no, stop that, stop that. And then just when he thought it had stopped, it would start again. <laughs> and I laughed every time. I would, I would have heard it like dozens of times. So funny. So funny. That's great. The, the last one, the third one that I listen to semi-regularly, um, I'll sometimes I'll listen to like six episodes in a row because it's about half hour episodes. It's uh, jokes with Mark Simmons, and Mark Simmons is like a, a one liner comic in England, mm. and he has a guest comic on, and they go through jokes of theirs that they can't get to work, and they try and just workshop oh, them. That's cool. Yeah, it's just it's it's interesting. He's just sort of got this like real low key, gentle energy kind of guy. I yeah. like that. And he's um yeah it's it's uh. It's a good listen and it's yeah, it's just interesting to hear hear them work their way through. When do you listen to podcasts? Uh I I depends if I'm uh I'll often listen to them in bed. Mm. And depending on how much I need sleep, that's smart or it isn't, because it'll mean I stay up longer. Yeah. Um otherwise, uh driving, running. Yeah. Uh, unless I'm trying to run fast and I listen to music. Yeah. <laughs> I just found that, like there's not much that I can concentrate on while I'm listening to a podcast. Do you know what I mean? Like I tend to – I can put on music and that can kind of focus me, but I can drown it out a little bit too. But podcasts, I, I – yeah, long car trips, love them. Yeah. Apart from that, I do struggle a bit to find time. Right. Yeah, yeah, interesting. I think if when I when I go to bed, I'm asleep. <laughs> right. That's yeah. That's a great skill. Oh, I'm so I'm tired all the time. Okay. I don't wake up refreshed. Okay. I'm just like I'm tired now. I'm don't the same. I? As you know, I didn't realize you had that as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm got. I've got a dentist appointment coming up, which I had to put off because I was crook last week. Mm. But I'm gonna. See, there's a an option that my, the sleep doctor I was going to see suggested. Before we parted ways, he said that um, trying a uh, a mouth piece—I forget what it was—like some, it's sort of like a some sort of plate or something, but it ah. stops you grinding your teeth. Oh, at like night. a mouth guard kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's an, the next thing I'm going to try. I've heard of a few people have had decent success with that. Worth a try. And nothing's really <laughs> uh, helped particularly so far. So yeah, keep searching. Um, what were we talking about? Oh yes. British podcasts. podcasts, dentists, etc. <laughs> dentists, that's a good place to listen to if you're having a surgery at yeah. a dentist. Um, you need a distraction for sure. Uh, all right, let, here's a couple of quick quotes. Uh, this one's from Jordan Nassi or Nace or NASA. And uh, the title Jordan's given himself is officially delegated, delegate of delegations and Oof. resident union rep. <laughs> 
Love that. Important uh, role. And Jordan's quote is, or he writes first, so this is a fact quote and a question. Okay. Well, I've been led astray with oh. how he described it as a quote Here earlier. Here we go. Boom, he said. Oh, did he just punch me in the face? I didn't touch your guitar. <laughs> did you know that when Henry Ford's first started making cars, he only produced black ones? He's quoted as saying, you can have any color you like as long as it's black. That being said, what would your favorite car color and what would your favorite car color and car be? Also, my last name is pronounced Nassi. I reckon I said that in one of those. Yeah, times. that was one, one of the options. options. Yes, for sure. Well done. Uh, my answer to the color of car is anything but black because anything. I drive a black car right now. They... Which, and when I bought it, which it was a second-hand car, but it was from a dealership, so I wanted to trade it in. So they got it on with the detailing. It's been yeah. waxed. It looks so beautiful in the shop. Within two minutes of driving down the road, it's covered in dust. It's dirty. It shows every single mark, yep. and I can never have it clean. It's a, a, just logically, you'd think the other way around. White yes, would get th- dirty yeah. and black wouldn't, but black, it's the opposite. It's not going to show anything. Like you know, black pants or whatever. Yeah, you can hide anything. Yeah. Whereas white pants, a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, if you piss blood in them, honestly, people <laughs> you, know about if it. If you shit yourself <laughs> in black pants, no one has to know. No, has to know, especially if your shit's black, <laughs> which mine is. I should be taking iron tablets. I only eat olives. <laughs> Kalamata. <laughs> oh, my favourite. I shat myself 11 hours ago and no one has picked up on no, it. No, I didn't know, Dave. Thank you. Whereas I did, I also shat myself 11 hours ago and I haven't changed my white pants, oh. but now they're black, aren't oh, they? Yeah, wow. These are but, white but pants. But it does show because you're wearing white shoes yeah. and there are driplets. Yeah. Um, oh. <laughs> driplets of shit. Apologies for that. <laughs> uh, I think I've said this before on the show, my, my dream car is a... It's a 1970s Falcon. I'm I'm open to different models. It'd probably be an XC from a 1978 XC Falcon, and uh, the dream color is probably that sort of the, the I think it was the hero color at the time, which was like a I don't know what it's actually called, but it's like a bluey green color. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I know what you mean. But I'd I'd be happy to go ten years back to a 68. Any of the Falcons were just sick all through that time, and often plenty of the Kingswoods I quite like as well. I'd be in a yellow Volkswagen Beetle. Ooh, which era? Or new? Oh yeah. I, you know, uh, as a as a teen, would have said new. Now, give me a classic. Well, a classic. Well, I'm going to stick with that classic theme and say I would love an orange Volkswagen Combi van. Oh, Oh, I think they're so cool. Orange or like aqua are the two I reckon for. Oh. Actually, any bright colour for a couple of Yeah, I'd take, any, I'd take any colour. Red's color. good. If it's done up nicely and also, I cannot stress this enough, the engine works. Yes. I would love the car. I'm assuming our dream car's engines <laughs> yeah. work. Yeah, I'm assuming it's like quite modern inside for me. Yeah. Well, you know? they never stopped them on Pimp My Ride. They put in 19 plasma TVs but left the engine of the 26-year-old car completely. Yeah, why even not? We put a popcorn machine in. Yeah. Um, I don't need it. I need a new gearbox. It doesn't have windscreen wipers. <laughs> Exhibit, please. I need windscreen wipers. Exhibit, please. <laughs> we could do a, an an off menu version, a, a car version, and then it'd be um, auto or manual. <laughs> auto or manual. <laughs> auto. Auto for me, please. Cannot drive manual. I think I prefer manual for some reason. I don't yeah, know why. A lot why. of people who drive manual say that. Right, and it, as soon as you stop, you don't. No, I don't know. Maybe you just maybe you don't stop. Maybe you just like it. Yeah, I'm not sure. It's just a, I think it just makes it slightly more fun or something. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> slightly more like a video game. There's more to do. Yeah, uh, but then that's not the case when I'm driving interstate or something. 
and because I don't have cruise control. Yes. So yeah, it's just. Oh, you're pushing the gears like an idiot. Yeah, like a dumb dumb cruise. Well, control. I mean that's more cruise controls. Fold. I don't, it doesn't really affect being a manual, does Cruise it? Cruise control on the Hume. <laughs> yes, please. Oh, big time. Uh, and then finally, one last quote from Luke Durham, D- Durham, curator of Mythical Beasts. Oh, oh my wow. goodness. Whoa. Mr. Durham. I think, Dave and Jess, you're going to enjoy this one. It comes from uh, one of the great minds of the 20th and 21st centuries. Here's to alcohol, the cause of and solution to all of life's problems. What a line. Homer Simpson. Well done. Great quote, Luke. Thank you very much because well we didn't done, get Luke. too many Simpsons references in this week. Oh, yeah. We did the hoedown. We did the... Uh, my ding-a-ling. My ding-a-ling. <laughs> oh, okay, we did a few. And I also definitely said something else. Yeah, and I had one more as well. And I had one too before we started recording, so it, <laughs> it counts still. <laughs> so. Jacob, figure it out. <laughs> Jacob's the note taker for newcomers. He he audits our Simpsons references. Um. Yeah, I was going to say that brings us to the end of the episode. We've still got so many shout-outs to do. Yeah. We're taking our time with the Patreon section this week. That's all right. Almost like we don't have the bonus episode to record straight after. <laughs> That's right. We're going straight into an episode of Phrasing the Almost Bar. Almost like it's not quarter to 11 at night. <laughs> Chomping at the bit to talk about Encino Man. Let's get yes. through these. Which will be out, uh, what, just in a couple of days' time. Fantastic. Uh, so let's shout-out to a few. What kind of uh, what kind of game are we playing this week, Bopper? We're naming their children. Ooh, I mean, it was either that or naming their dingalings, and that is a much better option from you. <laughs> uh, so, no, no. Aloha. <laughs> That's the name of their dingaling. Yeah. <laughs> Aloha. <laughs> so, again, to get a shout out, you just have to sign up on the, I believe, Dreamboat Cooper level. Is yeah, that right? That's, that's right. right. No, Asprod level. Oh, the Asprod level. That's right. You'd be an associate producer of the show. But, I mean, if you do sign up on the Dreamboat Cooper level, you also do get a shout-out. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, Jess gives us a little game. Uh, normally, it takes about a year. So, these people have been waiting so patiently, and we do appreciate that. Uh, firstly, if I can kick us off, from Kingston in Canada, it is Mitch Nashim. Mitch. Mitch, is, Mitch has two children. Oh. Uh, their names are... Sunshine. Oh, I love this. And Bluebell. Oh, two puzzles. I was wondering if you're going to do an evil twin. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. Hellboy. Just... <laughs> <laughs> Save it, Dave. Save it. Oh. Wall boy. <laughs> Wall boy. Wow, they're two two beautiful sunny love names. That. Thank Mitch. you. I saw a yellow cord over there. Oh, it's great to peek behind the curtain. There's a, there's a blue cord next to it. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. I'm very creative, lady. Mitch. I hope you. I mean, if you are expecting, uh, job done for you. Yeah. Naming wise. Because um, it, it's it's gender neutral. Sunshine. Yeah. Blue Bell. I think I said. A girl or boy. Beautiful. Another option, of course, is uh, you could go with 1990s most popular names in Australia. Mm, could do. Jess and Matt, yep. which Jess and I found out on my <laughs> Matt wow. chat. Uh, what do you call that? A, a, is it a vodcast? I was going to say vodcast. Anyway, whatever. Uh, next, I would love to thank from Columbus, Ohio, <gasps> the great oh. state. Ohio, home to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I believe. Yeah, Cleveland, is that right? In the United States, it's Nick Schneider. Ooh, Nick Snyder. Schneider. Stapler. Schneider. Stapler. Uh, thank you so much, Nick Schneider, of course. Your children. 
And I'm going to give two as well. Bobo and Dickie Knee. Oh. Bobo and Dickie Knee. So Bobo the bear and Dickie Knee the... The puppet hey, hey, it's Saturday from puppet. the Australian show you've never heard of. Hey, hey, it's Saturday. But I just think it's a great name. Bobo and Dickie Knee. Bobo. I think it's fun that we spent a big chunk of this episode burning like all-time great artists like the Beatles and the Beach Boys for ripping off Chuck Berry. When that's, we do, a, we just do nothing but Simpsons references. But when we credit them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So but, we're better than them is what you're saying. We're better than the Beatles. Yeah, in that, we're, big, we're in bigger that than the Beatles. Regard, yeah. In that specific regard. We're bigger than the Beatles, uh, ipso facto, bigger than Jesus. Wow. Um, I was I, taken out of context. <laughs> may I also thank some people? Oh, that'd be fantastic. I would love to thank from Bothell. Oh, my gosh. In Washington. <laughs> oh, my Bothell. gosh. WA, Washington? Yeah. Look how good I'm getting at this. I know all 50 states now. That's one of the Fuck things I've been off. doing to What do you mean you know all 50? What do you I can mean? Say, I can say Dave probably already knew. But do you know the no. initials? But you know oh, all no. 50 states. I know all 50 states. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. That is genuinely sick. And what order do you say them in? Alphabetical. Oh, that's baller. Starting, that's fucking baller, man. Starting with? A. <laughs> Interesting. Wow. Weird, Interesting. Weird choice. Uh, from Bothell in Washington, I would love to thank Jesse Wheeler. Oh, fantastic name. Jesse Wheeler. Thank you for supporting us, Jesse. Jesse's children are, of course, called. Oh, Alaska and Alabama. Yeah. But I, I went in reverse alphabetical order. Nice. I love that, though. It's beautiful. Yeah. Alaska, Alabama. Yeah. Beautiful names. Yeah. Beautiful I think they children. are both really nice names, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Alaska's cool. Yeah. Alabama's all right. Alabama, Bama, the Bama, the Bama, Scar. You love Scar. I I do love Scar. <laughs> so that could be a shortening music. of it. And I would also love to thank, and I'm very excited to thank this person as well because I know them personally. I would love to thank from Chatswood in New South Wales, but you don't live in Chatswood anymore. You've moved to Brisbane for work. Charlie Smith. Oh, Charlie. Charlie Smith. Smith. Obviously, we did, Charlie Junior. We did early, earlier in the episode. Bag out the name, Charlie. Well, okay. Being boring. But that in, is fair. But we only consider it scum in comparison to Aloha. So they see how they Exactly scum. right. The, Charlie will understand where I'm coming from there. Because how the fuck do you have kids called, what was the first one? Oh, Darlin, Aloha, Melody, and Charles Jr. Like that sucks. Charlie Smith, though, great name. Yeah, rock solid. So you're rock saying Charlie's got... Charlie Jr. Charlie Jr. and f- Freezer Bird. Freezer Bird. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Where'd that come from? Love it. But goes by Phoebe. Yeah. <laughs> I actually really like that. Yeah. Phoebe. I love a versatile name. Freezer Bird becoming Phoebe. Love it. Thank yeah. you. And thank you, Charlie. Named, named after the frozen chook in my fridge. <laughs> Freezer Bird. Freezer Bird. No frozen chook in your Why? <laughs> Get it out of there. <laughs> the company. <laughs> okay, well, that's right then. Fair enough. Dave, do you want to bring it home and thank some people? I would love to thank now from Mystery Location. Ooh. I'm going to assume somewhere in the Bermuda Triangle. I can only oh. assume you're right. William Hyatt. William oh, Hyatt. Thank Billy you so Hyatt. much. William Hyatt. Billy Hyatt. Oh, Billy Hyatt music. What's a, I thought we might have had... Uh, <laughs> Music shop royalty. Wow. Well, of course, Hyatt, a chain of hotels. So I think it's hotel royalty. Oh, wow. They've named their children Novotel, Crown Towers, oh, wow. and Hilton. 
Oh, naming their children after their competition. I think that's Hilton that's, Hyatt. That's Isn't Hilton Hyatt a thing? I don't know. I don't know. Either. Good on everyone. I mean, thank goodness they weren't called Golden Chain. Yeah. Or Golden Showers. I mean, different reason, but still. Yeah. Thank goodness. Yeah, God. I thank God every day. I'm Especially if they're wearing golden wet pants. Showers. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I always am. On your William Hyatt, thanks so much for supporting the show from, we assume, the Bermuda Triangle. Thank and you so finally, much, I would like William. to thank um, from a place where they don't know how to put the locks on their doors properly, but let's not hold it against them. From Dublin. It's Megan Harvey. <laughs> Megan, Megan Harvey. Harvey. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Megan Harvey, of Have course. I told this story on the podcast that I was uh, at my last job, was working with a woman who was from Dublin, and I said, oh, I love Dublin. It's you know one of my favourite cities in the world. And she laughed at me and said, why? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm so sorry that I complimented It's beautiful. Your home. It's, I love it. It's very I nice. I genuinely love that place. Stay humble. Love that. Humility. Love that. No, she was like mocking me for liking her hometown. I was like, all right, well, you moved to my hometown. Anyway. Can I name these ones? Absolutely. I want to go with Robert and Neil. Okay. Neil and Bob. Are these, um, I, I reckon we're about to hear an AFL reference. Is this what's we're Well, about yeah. Obviously, one of the all-time greats. Games record holder for St. Kilda Football Club, Robert Harvey. Neil Harvey, uh, legendary cricketer. Also a Victorian, so you know he's a good person. <laughs> Fantastic, Megan. Wow. Robert and Neil. you got some exciting names there for and your then Neil, children. Neil and Bob sort of sounds like, you know, you're Neil and you're bobbing along. <laughs> Also, it kind of sounds like you're giving head, but um, Neil and Bob. I was going to say, yeah. Neil and Bob, that's what I feel like doing when I listen to Chuck Berry. <laughs> Going for a Neil and Bob. Yeah. They called it the, I think a journalist in New York or somewhere dubbed it the, the duck walk, but could have easily been called the Neil and oh, Bob. Oh, the Neil and Bob. Fantastic. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Megan Harvey from Dublin. What a pleasure to have you on the Patreon, as it is to have all the people we just thanked. You make our lives Great. Yeah, good on you for making us great. Not making us great, making our lives great. Yeah, yeah and therefore, feel... like, I, you know, if someone says, hey, Jess, how are you? I say, great. Oh, okay. Good I don't point. mean like they make my work good. <laughs> okay. No, um, that's I don't point. even do that. But they make my life good. Know what I mean? Oh, I know. I what know you what you mean. <laughs> someone uh, get me out of this. <laughs> well, the only other thing we've got left to do is see if there's anyone in to induct into the Triptych Club, and that's for very special Patreon supporters have been supporting us on the uh, the shout-out level of Patreon for three years straight. And, uh, Dave, you normally have a band playing. Jess normally comes up with a mm-hmm. little nibbly and a cocktail. I made some cocktails this week. What would you make? I made uh, gin fizz. It was on for gin, well, gin, Dave. Gin oh, yep. fizz and a breakfast martini. Oh, tell us about the breakfast martini again because you told us in the um, in our group chat. So it had it had gin. Yes. It had lemon juice, I think. It had marmalade. Yep. And it uh what else did it just shake it and shook it, we shook it up? Pancake. And then a and a little slice of toast. So you'd have a bite of the toast, have a sip. It was Love so that. nice. Can we have that in the trip dish club? Not to plagiarize your work, but that just sounds yum. I didn't come up with it. Shut up. Just take the credit. <laughs> Chuck <Okay>. Berry did. <laughs> Oh, Chuck Berry would be a great name for a cocktail. Yeah. Oh, it's got good. berries in it, yeah, I berries would assume. It, yeah. So it make you want a bomb? Yeah, it makes you want yeah. a bomb. Oh. oh, no. It's got Chuck in it, Dave. And that in itself makes you then Chuck. Oh, Love it. Oh, no. I'm so tired. Yeah. We've, uh, we've got the finest bartender 
to vomit into your drink. <laughs> we've shaken it up and we've served it to you. And With a berry need, on top. If you need to vomit, you can go right to our fabulous facilities. <laughs> Dave, I mean, how apt would it be? I know you you book it, so I don't want to preempt anything, but how good would it be to have the man himself playing music this oh week? Is that, have you done it? Have you organised well, it? Have you made it happen? I've, I've gone one better. It's Chuck Berry. Yes. Opening. Oh my the God. Great Muddy Waters. Oh, Whoa. wow. Holy shit. Chuck Berry opening. Well, it's a sort of a co-headline, but Chuck's like, you came before me, yeah. you gave me a big break, you go on last. Chuck gets it. Yeah, he yeah. gets it. And he's humble. Stay humble. So good. Oh, wow. That's a great lineup. Can't believe it. I know. Probably the best of all time. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> Amazing. Oh, so good. Um, well, I can't wait for that. And there's only one inductee into the club this week. Coming from, I believe, Minnesota. Let me just go through alphabetically. There's eight M states. Whoa. Wow. So that's uh, that's where I get tripped up sometimes. So MN. I'm thinking Minnesota. Uh, Montana. Yeah. Uh, I'm guessing. Montana's or the other Or is option. it Michigan? Oh, yeah, right. Um, M-N-U-S-A <laughs> state is what I'm typing. Here we go. Ah. Uh, the great me was correct. Minnesota. Well done. Yes. Uh, the Twin City State. So, uh, from Minnesota, from Two Harbors, it is Nathan Hansen. Welcome in to the Trip Ditch Club. Welcome. We love your work, Nathan Hansen, and you're going to love the work of Chuck Berry and Muddy Waters. As is everyone else who's already in the club. Once you're in, you are not allowed to leave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we I say mean, with a can. smile. There's but... pass outs. It's a real Hotel California situation. <laughs> uh, but thanks so much for joining us, Nathan Hansen, you bloody legend. And yeah, that, I guess that brings us to the end of the episode. Yes, it's, it. it's been a marathon. It's been a long episode, but I've had a lot of fun here tonight. And Has I it been long? What are we up to? We are over two hours right now. Oh, how long was the report? About 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> No. You really breezed through it, and then we faffed around for yeah. quite a while. You read out three bullet points, and then <laughs> you read out some names. No, it was a long. It was a long <laughs> report. <laughs> no, honestly, I have a gr- a good time. Honestly, you've been reading off your hand this whole time. Yeah. Um, so, how much can you really fit on there? Got quite a big hand. <laughs> to be honest, it all began when <laughs> a little Simpsons reference. Like uh, well, let's finish off with a Simpsons reference. So, thanks everyone that supports the show on Patreon, and thanks to anyone that's still listening. You can uh, get in contact <laughs> at uh, uh, dogoonpod.com. We've got links to our merch, our Patreon. We've got an email there or a contact form. We're at dogoonpod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We've got a YouTube channel, but of course, which is uh, slash dogoonpod. But if you go to youtube.com slash stupid old channel, you can see right now four and soon to be five episodes of our web series, which have been a lot of fun. We've covered a lot of different topics. And uh, yeah, if you like listening to us, you might like looking at us. Yeah. And still listening. Please. There's also animation in Don't there. Don't mute us and <laughs> yeah. just look at us. <laughs> listen as well, thanks. Yeah. Look and listen together. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, put them together. The Use ultimate. your eyes and your ears. Why don't you? This is this episode is Please Hotel California. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, we'll be back next week with another episode. But until then, I'll say thank you for listening, and then goodbye. This 
podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com.